And now, it's time to sit back and enjoy the Two True Freaks Internet Radio Broadcast. Illogic. Foolish emotions. A constant irritant. And transpire out! Two! Belong in the circus. <laughs> right next to the dog faced boy. True! I have come here to chew bubblegum and kick ass. And I'm all out of bubblegum. Oh, oh. It's a super prize package worth. $9,388. Money. This isn't the biggest bag over the head. Punch in the face I ever got. God damn it! Ow! Go And now, together by live simulation via the internet, your hosts, Scott Gardner. He killed a police officer for Christ's sake. Thank God damn lucky didn't kill him. And Chris Honeywell. You are physically repulsive, intellectually retarded, vulgar, insensitive, selfish, stupid. You have no taste, a lousy sense of humor, and you smell. So you're looking at me? Yeah, because she thought you're some kind of freak. Now come on, hey, let's God, go. She likes me, eh? No way. Shut up, you freak! Hello and welcome to episode 504 of Two True Freaks. <laughs> I'm Chris Honeywell and I'm here with, ta-da, Scott Gardner. Hello! And it's a shoot the shit up. I think we, sh- I, 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 think we should call this episode. Hey, how's it going? Hey, how's it going? That that sounds good. Cause uh, I, I, you know, what I was thinking was let's just not only shoot the shit, but kind of catch the listeners up on us because it's been about oh, I don't know, three, four hundred years or so years, since we've yeah, had something like that. So, yeah, a few decades. <sighs> so, uh, so first off, how you doing? Good. I, I gotta say, it's it's still a better record than, like, before we had the podcast when it would go, like, two or three years, and then both of us, would, one of us oh, would yeah. call the other one, and then we'd talk for 18 hours on the phone or whatever. Well, that's the thing. I mean, we've we've definitely been much better than, you know, at, at keeping in touch than we used to, whether, you know, whether we actually got an episode out of anything or not. You know, we've, we've kept in touch, and I mean, we have done the occasional thing, because you were on... Uh, Back to the bins, not mm-hmm. too long ago. What, what the hell are we talking? About? Oh, we did a movie. Uh, Guardians review, of the Galaxy right? Two. Yeah, Guardians. Yeah, yeah. There you go. I'm gonna apologize right up front. It seems like I say this a lot, but uh, I'm fried. I, I my day started really, really, really early, and uh, for some reason I have not been sleeping worth a shit. So if I start to get punchy as the episode goes on, I'm gonna apologize right now. I don't know how it goes in Florida, but it's pollen season up here, so everybody's oh, sleeping bad up yeah. here. Yeah, it's it's awful. The pollen count. Well, the the between the pollen count and then there's the heat. It's awful. The heat index is. 
Um, I mean, it's it's been high 90s, so it's one of those things where for a while it was like, you know, feels like 98, feels like 99, feels like 100, and now it's just like the thing's just given up and it's like, feels like you're going to die, you know? So it's, because <laughs> it's just, you know, it's face fucking melting hot, you know? It's, it's like that scene at the end of Raiders when you walk outside here, so... Yeah, but so, you know, I'm not good with the heat anyway, because when it's this hot, you know, outside, then I'll, all I want to do is just sleep, you know, so that that's not helping. Well, you've always been a sweater, <laughs> as long as I've known you. Thanks for noticing. <laughs> when, <laughs> when, you know, I, I, I tried to snuggle with the missus last night as I, as we were both falling asleep, and, you know, and of course, she just slid off the bed. Yeah. <laughs> It's just like, you know, I mean, she's very nice about it. She'd never be like, get the fuck off me. But she was definitely like, you're just a furnace, which is kind of wife code for get the fuck off me. (laughs) (laughs) But, uh, yeah, we'll see how she feels when her feet are freezing, though. (laughs) No, I mean, uh, I'm doing all right. We'll 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 get into everything as uh, as far as all that. We'll get everybody up to speed or whatever. But uh, well, it's but... it's not officially summer yet, but I'm in summer mode, so I'm pretty fried. When when summer comes along, what, my work goes into overdrive, and it's garage sale season, so it just generally gets pretty crazy around here well uh I, it looks like you've been doing really good with uh with garage sale so i mo- i will apologize i know that you have two uh two new episodes of garage sale Gro- glow out and uh let me say that again garage sale gloat there we go Get actually the, the first episode there. we put out I, d- I made the same phonetic mistake that you did <laughs> but uh i love that show and uh, I was really excited to see new episodes start to pop up, but I have been burning through a, a couple of other shows that I just recently discovered, and uh, and going through their back catalog to catch up to uh, to recent, you know, to get all caught up essentially. Uh, the, the lucky I, thing about Garage Sale Gloat is it's they're short, you know. Right, right. Well, that was the nice thing about I, I discovered this new show, and uh, and all their episodes are well within an hour. They're usually like you know forty minutes or something. So it was really easy to burn through their back. Actually, it was it, the weird thing is it's two different shows, both with a, a relatively short back catalog, and both about the same thing. You know, but they're both about 40, 40 minutes to maybe an hour top. So you know, really easy to burn through all their back catalog. So I'm all caught up on on them. I'm caught up on most of my my regular listens. So uh, I, I, I'm pretty sure that the very next thing uh, uh, for me to listen to is the latest uh, Garage Sale Gloat. So I'm really looking forward to that because I really enjoy that show. This week I, was... I, I like I like it when uh, when you find something and, you, and you're like, oh, Scott Gardner would love this. I'm always, ooh, is it? <laughs> he's gonna hate me for this. Yeah, this week, this week, yeah, it was. Um... Maybe it was because the week before, I I don't want to say we found a lot of good shit the week before, but it was just, you know, it was a nice day. All the people at the garage sales were in a good mood and they were really, you know, each garage sale was interesting in its own way. And there weren't a lot of just like crappy, you know, repeat offender garage sales. It was just a good general fun day of garage sailing. And this week it was it looked like it was going to be a great day cuz we went to a neighborhood garage sale and you know when we pulled the car over it was just literally garage sales as far as the eye could see so we we're like all right you know you get to walk to four or five of them at a at a at a time but 
yeah, there wasn't, you know, we weren't picking up any great hauls or anything that was getting us really excited. But then at the end of the day, you know, once you took stock of everything you had, it was like a great Star Wars day. I had like three bags full of Star Wars stuff. That's cool. And uh, including one of the, the coolest Star Wars books I've ever seen, which I thought was going to be really cheesy or... Not cheesy, but just kind of kitty, and it was a Star Wars pop-up book. I knew you were going to say that because I saw your pictures, and of the ones that that you posted, that was the one that caught my eye. I was like, damn, that pop-up book is cool. It's amazing. And yeah. and it was one of those things where it was a whole bunch of their kids' books they were selling, and they were all like a dollar, fifty cents, $0.25. Cents. There were a lot of the... Um, early reader Clone Wars books and stuff, which I'm picking up. You know, of the ones I've read of those, they're not bad little reads either. They look like they they look like they're real. They would be real quick reads too. And mm-hmm. I, I I gotta tell you, I'm more into, uh, for lack of a better word, the Filoniverse of Star Wars right now mm-hmm. than the main the main. Not that I'm not digging Star Wars, but the 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 main thrust of Star Wars okay I've got it but like the 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 watching all the Clone Wars again and watching Rebels that's that's where Star Wars is living for me right now right so I'm on the and and now like all the kids that started watching Clone Wars are selling all their Clone Wars stuff at the garage sale so there's a lot of a lot more Clone Wars stuff than there is. Star Wars stuff. Although although Scott McGregor picked up a Force Awakens model of of one of the of Poe's X-wing that was really neat. It was still in the wrapper too for two dollars. Oh wow! So stuff. So the Force Awakens stuff is starting to show up, but um, I'm and I'm I'm keeping my eyeballs open for prequel stuff and stuff from the cartoons. That's where, and having pretty good luck. But that pop up book is is all based on the original trilogy. It's all original trilogy stuff. And I'm trying... I, I I guess it was called the Star Wars... There there were Star Wars pop-up books in the 70s and 80s. Oh, yeah, yeah. And they were pretty neat. They're nothing compared to the... Pop-up book technology has... I, I don't see how a machine could have put this book together. It must have been people... I mean, each one of them must have been hand put together because it's just a wonder these goddamn things fold up into each into themselves, you know? Right. And and I mean, the book is literally twenty pages long. <laughs> you know, it's it's this big thick book, but it only opens up so many times. But you open up each page and it has the main thing. Like the, I think I had the the one page I had was the Rancor and the other one was uh, the uh, Adats and. Uh, I think but, that was the one that I saw was the ad at page. I but think all around it is sidebars. And you'll open up a sidebar and then there'll be a, you know, a stormtrooper on a speeder bike. And then sometimes inside that one another one'll fold out, you know. So each page has four or five little fold outs and they're all equally impressive when they're going and I and when I got at home you know, we're just whipping through the garage sale. So I looked at it and I was like, oh, okay. And it was $6. And I was like, oh. something told me, you just, you know, you're getting everything else here for a quarter and 50 cents, you know, buy this book for $6. And 
you know, when I look on the price of it, you know, it's like a $50 book or something like that, brand new. And um, so I'm going through it when I get home and I'm just like, you know, that rare, it's put, it's, it's a new thing. It's not something that I'm looking at that I remember from when I was a little kid. It's, it's from the, I think it was from like 2012 or something. But it's it's got that I'm opening up each page and I'm here all by my, I got the house to myself for the next week and I'm like sitting here all alone going whoa cool oh shit oh and then I get to the last page and I open up one of the sidebars and out pops Luke Skywalker with a green lightsaber and then vroom, the lightsaber comes on <laughs> it lights up and I'm like you gotta be shitting me. So the book has like showmanship, you know, it gets better as you go along. Right. And it actually had me addressing it in disbelief, you know, by the end of it. So I was like, this is really cool. It's got a battery and wires hidden in it too, you know? So yeah, that was, that was really cool. I got a few little micro machines too. And mostly, mostly books I got, I thought I had an angry birds novel, but it turned out to be just like a, a, empty note notebook angry birds star wars hmm. <laughs> but yeah a lot of those a lot of those kitty um prequel books are like stuff that happens with obi-wan and anakin between episode right. one and two you know and stuff like right. that yeah. that's interesting stuff and you know, I found the again. I didn't, you know, I, I by no means did I read them all. But the ones that I read, I mean, I found them really engaging too. They they really they did a lot of you know shading in the characters and, and just you know telling just genuinely uh, fun, exciting, and intriguing stories. So yeah, I, I have a real fondness for uh, for some of those. And it, it looked like. Um... Most of the books that this kid got were by one author, so they might have liked this one author particularly well. So that's a good sign, usually when you when you see something that the kid's looking for a particular person writing it. Right. But just what I need more Star Wars. <laughs> the um, oh, this goes to one of my notes that I have. Uh, we went to one garage sale, and the guy had I don't know if you've seen them. They're all over the place in like big box stores and dollar stores anywhere where they sell matchbox cars they have star wars matchboxes now and they go for about five dollars a piece and every once in a while they turn up at the dollar store for a dollar and that's usually when i pick them up and i started out with them as uh hope sent me one that she saw got at a dollar store of uh general grievous and they're just sort of you know the the character made into a car Right, and you know, uh, you remember really our buddy, cool. Uh, Some of them are really cool. You know our buddy uh, Mark Buttrick, who was yes. our first guest on the show. Yes. He used to know. I don't know if he's still friends with him or not, but he used to know the guy that designed those. Well, that guy is good. Really? Yeah, the C three PO one is fantastic. It looks like a mixture of a of a hippie VW bus. With 3PO's face on the front of it, but the ass end of it looks like it's right out of Flash Gordon. You know, it's got the fins on it and stuff. It's like a, it's like a Flash Gordon minivan, camper van type thing. It's really cool. And I got a chopper one. I, I, I we went to this one guy's garage sale and he he just had a bo box full of them and he was like two for five. 
and I just loaded. I I spent way too much money on him. But the funny thing was, he had <laughs> a Disney Infinity starter kit that he was selling for twenty dollars. Did you get it? I d- I did not because the, the um the way we found out that he was selling it is this one guy was like, hey, what's this? And he's like, that's that's a video game. You get the little characters and you put them on there and play the game. It's only twenty dollars. It's way cheaper than. And the guy went on eBay, and like had one of those phone apps where you just aim it at the thing and it tells you how much. And he's like, "Well, it's going on eBay for ten dollars." And the guy's like, "Well, I'll match it." And so the guy got a Disney uh, Infinity starter what, set. Wait, 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 wait what? What is this app? I haven't heard about this. I don't know. It, I just watched movie. him aim his phone at the at the Disney Infinity. I don't know if he was aiming it at the. Um, he was oh, probably like the skew. Huh? Yeah, at, like at the barcode. Yeah, he probably yeah. was aiming at a barcode uh, uh, on it. You know, I noticed that a while ago on on eBay. Now that uh, I noticed it a while ago when I was selling some books, that now it asks actually asks you when you're selling books if you want to input the the SKU number, you know, the 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 UPC number. And I wondered, what in the hell do they need that for? And I figured it was just to match it up because sometimes it'll find the picture for you automatically mm-hmm. or something like that. But that must be what it is. It must be tied to that app. That's that pretty too. cool. Yeah, that's pretty neat. I wonder if that would work with comics because I can't imagine that a lot of people bother with the with the UPC code on comics, but maybe they do. I don't know. It's hard to say. Yeah, you know, they're, they're, I mean... I don't know. I like to think of comics fans as being super diligent with stuff like that. But right. again, I'm on um, Comic Book Database. Right. And that's where I keep my comics on. I'm up to like 3,600 comics now. But then again, I have a whole bunch of them that aren't on there. Because like I got a Casper comic the other day. And I went to put it on there and nobody had put it on there yet. And I was just like, oh, what is it with these slackers? And then I slacked off by not putting it on there myself. <laughs> but I don't enter anything into comic book database because I got pissed off at him when I did. When I was entering stuff into him, I would get these snotty emails back from him going like, you know, we really wish you would put all the information in. And it's just like, I'm sorry, yeah. my scanner doesn't work. <laughs> I'd love to be scanning in all this stuff and giving you every little bit of information, but there's just not enough time in the day. And and by the way, I'm I'm putting information into your database. Don't get snotty with me, you know. It's, you just want to be like, kiss my ass. Yeah, maybe I won't put any more information in your stupid database now. <laughs> <laughs> it was, you, you know, it wasn't even a. It was an. I mean, okay, so it was an actual person wrote me, but. That made it sort of even worse, I think. At least for stimulating my my pissed off glands. <laughs> <laughs> That's but, a charm. Um, but that 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 <laughs> I, I I meant to ask you the next time I talk to you because Scott McGregor and I were talking about and we've noticed at the dollar store that the Disney Infinity figures keep getting slashed more and more and more every week. Right, and he was wondering, can you even can you play that anymore? You can, there's a well, that's the thing is there's a lot of confusion out there because they no longer that you know they basically they turn the on the online component has been turned off. Right, but here's what I know, is that yes, you can still play the game. So the only thing that doesn't work for sure 
is the online component. So the online component was really only there for, of course, you know, playing online with other players. Um, but also you could go in and you could download uh, content, you know, from Disney right. and and other cre- other players were creating their own what they called their own toy box, which is just essentially your own worlds that you would create and then sharing them online. So, you know, none of that works anymore. But what I'm not sure of is say you bought one right now and then you go out and you buy because late in the life of the of the thing, and, I, and that's so weird to say because, I mean, the thing was only around for like three years. Yeah. But late in the life of the thing, um, they added some figures that when you put them on the base, then it would need to connect to the Internet in order to download the the content for that character, if you know what I mean. Yeah. So that character wasn't necessarily programmed into what you had, but just one simple little quick little download and boom, now that content is in there. What happens now? Are they still supporting that? Or like if you if you were to have bought that set that you were going to buy and then later on you buy a an in-the-package uh, black-suited Spider-Man, for example, is he going to work? Or maybe a better example would be like Baloo, which was one of the last figures that came out. If you bought Baloo... Would he work? And I can't answer that. I don't know for sure. I have not seen any answer on that, whether you know whether it does or whether it doesn't. I'd like to think that they would at least continue to support that aspect of it because how much would that suck? You know. Well, is it you also the stuff? kind of thing like the Star Wars Galaxies, where do you think maybe some people have set up their own server somewhere to? I know that there was some talk about doing that, but. I, I don't know what's come of it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I, I know because there was a site that I that somebody sent me a link to a while ago where basically somebody wanted to do that. They basically wanted to say, well, you know, since it doesn't exist anymore, we're, we're going to revive it. We're going to do it ourselves. I think they got a cease and desist, but I don't know. Yeah. You know, I really don't know what became of that. But it's, you know, it's funny, uh, you know, not a month goes by that I don't. Uh, either get uh you know a comment on facebook or or a private message from somebody saying you know it really sucks that infinity's not around anymore because you know what about this movie or what about this character and 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 i gotta agree it does it really sucks i love it you know occasionally i'll still pull it out and play it as a matter of fact uh, logan and i were just playing it the other day because uh you know what figures we sit down to do a show and it hasn't rained here in like three weeks and now all of a sudden it is storming like hell outside i actually heard that thunder yeah. Well, if you uh, if you suddenly lose me, you know why. <laughs> but uh, but anyway, uh, you know we uh, we suddenly realized we uh, had never played the Cars playset, so we we popped that on the base. We were just tooling around playing Cars the other night. So I mean, there's there's still you know we still enjoy it. There's still a lot of playability in it. But the problem is is that you know once you get to a particular point, um, you know it, the game will be over because there's once you've completed everything. There's, there's really, to, at least to my mind, there's not a, re, a lot of replayability with it. Now, other people would probably argue that because, I mean, there were people that went in there and created, you know, massive worlds and all that. That's not me, you know. Right. I'm, I'm not one of those guys, you know, like the Minecraft people that can sit there for days on end and create worlds. And my, I just, my I computer had for... Minecraft built, has Minecraft built into it when I had it, and I was like, ooh, I could play Minecraft, and I'm like. 
who am I fooling? I'm never going <laughs> to open right. that thing up. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, that's just one of those rabbit holes I don't want to go down. Right. You know what I mean? But, uh, but, I mean, I still enjoy it. I mean, it's still, you know, at the end of the day, I mean, would I recommend it? Yeah. Oh, shit. That was right outside the window. Did right you hear in the that? backyard. Oh, yeah, I heard that. Wow. That was intense. That, sound, that sounded like when usually when you're eating burritos. I, <laughs> I think I'm going to be prudent and unplug my brand new uh, external hard drive because I sure don't need nothing happen to that. So <laughs> just a second here. One moment. Well, that's weird. It doesn't have an eject button. Why doesn't it have an eject button? Oh, well, well I'm just going to unplug it. Hopefully that's okay. But I'd rather take that chance than uh, than have it get smacked by lightning. Eight million volts go through it. Yeah, exactly. Twenty-one gigawatts. But uh, what the hell was I saying? Disney Infinity. Oh yeah. Uh, <laughs> so anyway, would I recommend it? Yes. At the end of the day, I would still recommend it because you'll get a, you'll get a hell of a lot of fun out of it. I mean, even without the online component, I'll be honest with you, I never really use the online component all that much. Um, what I would say, if, if you're the least bit interested in it, and, and I mean, I'm talking to you personally, Chris, mm -hmm. if you're the least bit interested in it, what I would recommend to you is, um, both the 2.0, which was the Marvel upgrade. So it had all the Marvel characters that they released. That's a blast. I mean, just as a, as an old school comics fan, that's a hell of a lot of fun. There's, I mean, the Avengers playset, the Spider-Man playset. And there was one uh, that came out for the 3.0. It was called Marvel, was it Battlegrounds? Something like that. Battle something. I think it was Battlegrounds. Those are awesome. The Guardians one, eh, I'll be honest with you, the Guardians one kind of sucked. But the problem with the Guardians one is that it's, it's based on a concept, not a movie. So if you're going in expecting, like, movie Guardians of the Galaxy, you're probably going to be a little bit disappointed. But... You know, just as a as a playset based on the concept of the Guardians of the Galaxy. I mean, it, it was all right. It's not fair to say it sucked. It just it didn't live up to what I thought it was going to be or hoped it was going to be. But it, it had some fun to it as well. Uh, I liked that one because you could use Nova, and Nova was probably my favorite um, Infinity character of the of the Marvel characters because he was just badass. Um, and then the one that I know that you would like is the 3.0, which was Star Wars. Oh yeah. I mean, you had you had Luke and Leia. You know, these are the playable figures. You had Luke, Leia, Han, Chewie, Vader, um, classic Obi Wan. You know, like like uh, prequel Obi Wan, um, Anakin, Ahsoka, Yoda. Who else am I thinking? Um, then from the new movies, you had Ray, Poe. Um, useless guy there. I can't think of his name. Um, Finn. Um, and, uh, and the bad guy, um, damn, Kylo my brain, Kyle, Kylo Ren. Yeah. And the, I may, I may have forgotten. Oh, it also had the rebels characters in it. It had, um, it had, uh, Kanan space Aladdin and Caden and, um, and the proto Chewbacca Zeb, there, whatever Zeb. Zeb and the Mandalorian girl. Um, God damn it. Hera, my brain Hera. is just not fine. What is it? Hera. Hera. Oh, not Hera. No, the Mandalorian girl, the one that looks like Boba, like girl Boba Fett. Oh, <laughs> I'm so bad about that. 
Yeah, you know, you know who I'm talking about anyway. Yeah. Um, the only problem with them, they're really cool figures, and I really liked. Uh, uh, is it Kanan? Is that his name? Kanan. Mm-hmm. I really liked him, but the only problem is they didn't get their own playset, um, which kind of sucks. So you can play them, um, but you basically what you have to do is you have to play far enough into any of the Star Wars playsets to where you unlock them as characters. And by the time you unlock them as characters, I, it was my experience that you had generally, uh, generally had done pretty much the the major stuff of the game so then at that point you could just do it as them basically yeah yeah exactly and and it became more side missions than anything else you know as opposed to like doing this the main storyline mode but that said again they they were a lot of fun i really liked kanan um zeb's pretty cool except he's very slow moving you know but he was a he was a powerful character he's just kind of slow moving um, the girl, which damn, I just can't think of her name, but the girl, I just, I could never quite get a handle on her. There were, there was always some characters where you were like, this is probably a really cool character for somebody, but it just didn't quite grab me somehow. And she was definitely one of them. Her and, uh, and, uh, Space Aladdin, I never, uh, as characters, I just didn't think they were all that great. Um, Luke was a good character. I really liked playing Luke. I loved Ben of the Star Wars ones. Ben Kenobi was probably my favorite one, or you know Obi Wan Kenobi. He was he was badass. He was a really good character. Oh, uh, Darth Maul was a character too. He was pretty yeah. good. So you know the Star Wars playsets you had. Um, yeah, the prequel one, which is you know it's Clone Wars based. You had the original trilogy where you actually play through the original trilogy. That was a lot of fun. And then uh, there was Force Awakens, which we started playing, and we got as far as Ray's planet. Uh, was it Jakku? Mm-hmm. And we got distracted playing side missions, and then we ended up stalling out. So we, we haven't have not finished that one yet. The other two we finished. Um, so, you know, there's still... But part of it, too, is we were trying to pace ourselves, because we, we found that we were blowing through playsets really fast, and then when the thing got cancelled, we realized, well, we might as well take our time, because once we finish it, that's it. You know, that's all there'll ever be. So, uh, at the moment, we still have the rest of uh, Force Awakens to play. We still have the rest of Finding Nemo, which t- turned... Or Finding Dory, rather, which turned out to be a really good playset. That one's good, and... Uh, I and still haven't seen either of those movies. Oh, really? Yeah. See Finding Nemo. I'm probably in the minority, but I didn't really care for Finding Dory um, in the sense that, I mean, did I enjoy it while I was watching it? Yes, but it's one of those that the minute you start thinking about it after you've watched it, you're like, that was just the same damn movie all over yeah. again. Not not near as good. You know what I mean? It, it's, it's, yeah. It is sequelitis of the worst kind. Um, that said, I mean, it's an enjoyable little movie. I just, I didn't think it was anywhere near as good as the original. The original Finding Nemo is a break me down in tears good movie. I mean, it's just, it's, it's charming. It's funny. Um, but more than anything, I mean, it's, it's one of those Pixar's that really hits you where you live. You know what I mean? That's a good one. That's a really, yeah, I would highly recommend that. I think you'd enjoy it. I I just found out that they made a Clone Wars Lego Star Wars game. And oh yeah. I, I I found I I found well I was in Torrentland and I found this guy who has taken everything Star Wars that could be digitized and digitized it. Mm-hmm. And it's a 
it's a I think it's like a 25 different torrents each you know 15 to 20 gigs <laughs> oh so he's got all the movies anything on TV any kind of like entertainment tonight reports he's got every comic every comic every um, magazine that had that featured Star Wars that he could get his hands on and I was in the music section of it and I have most you know as far as soundtrack music goes I'm I'm pretty much set on all the Star Wars movies and stuff like that but yeah, I was looking at it and he had some some Clone Wars soundtrack that I didn't see and he had some Rebels music that I didn't have and then it had he had all the video game music and I said, oh, I'll just download that too. And then I was going through all the video game music, which was an immense <laughs> collection, and saw that there was Lego Star Wars Clone Wars, and like a lot of the the adventures on it are are based upon specific episodes of the show. Yeah. And uh, boy, oh boy, I want to play that now. I think if if memory serves, I think that was one that I got for the boys for one Christmas. I think it was the Christmas whenever that came out, and uh, they've played all of the uh, Star Wars based Lego games. And I, if memory serves, I'd, I'd have to ask Logan, but if memory serves, that was one of the ones they liked the best was the Clone Wars See, one. I, I think, remember really I, think I have too, but I haven't played the Clone Wars, so I have to get a whole. I love those games. Mm-hmm. And the, I the, think. I could be wrong, but I think that was the last one that came that came out because basically they did, you know, they did the uh, the original trilogy, and then I think they did something prequel related, and then they did Force Awakens, and and I think somewhere in that mix they did. Uh, well, actually, Force Awakens. I take that back. I think Force Awakens was the last one they did, but before that, I think it was Clone Wars was the next to most recent one that they did. I, I think I could be wrong. The Rogue One one would be pretty cool too. Yeah, I don't. To my knowledge, I don't think they did one, I, but I could be wrong on that. It's pro- that's probably a little bit dark of a story for them to do yeah. if they did it, you know, along the lines of the movie, you know, traumatize the little kid. Probably, yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's true. It does doesn't end well. That's true. <laughs> How they would make that goofy into that goofy Lego style, I don't know. Yeah, I'll, probably I'll end up. I probably won't end up playing the force awakens one till all the three movies are out and they have the trilogy edition of it right and then i'll then i'll go for that but <laughs> boy I love, I love those things all right i got another disney question for you have you been to avatar well, actually, land yet actually before you, you transition into that well actually we we, we can go back uh, I'll, I'll make a note to go back because i have i have something i wanted to ask you about a, a, a garage sailing uh, uh the Avatar thing. This will be a brief discussion. No, I haven't, and you know why? You they blocked us, the right? Well, no, no. Actually, I'm really curious to go check it out. I, I've heard really good things. I, I have friends at work um, that have gone to it and everything, and they've they've all had very positive things to say. I haven't heard anybody that's been down on it so far. Um, but now I can't. Get, please understand those listening that I, I'm not complaining in any way, shape, or form. I mean, you know, I, I know that uh, <laughs> I know that I'm very spoiled on these things. But here's how it works for us: is that typically when something new opens uh, at, at Disney. Now, you know, for those listening that don't know, um, I work there. I actually work at Walt Disney World. So typically when something new opens, they will have uh, what they call cast previews, meaning that the ride or whatever it is is not officially open yet, 
but they let the cast go in usually like a day or a week before something like that you know usually on like a special day or maybe a special series of days and basically we become uh, ride test dummies you know of our, of our own free will essentially it's like hey come check this out and you know it serves a couple of different purposes you know it's, it gets the word of mouth out there you know it, it generates some goodwill with the cast members um, it's good product knowledge for us because you know we're the ones that need to be able to, to you know be well informed on these things and you know I, again you know you're a living test dummy for it as well you know yeah um, so that that's typically how these things are done so like for example when Seven Dwarfs Mine Train opened up uh, we got to go um, as I recall I think I went a couple of days early before the actual uh, official open of it. And basically, during those, it's unlimited, um, you know, unlimited rides. So it's basically, you know, come in, you know, ride it until you're sick of it kind of thing, and it's just for cast. At least that's how it worked for Seven Dwarfs. That, that's the big one I can remember. Well, that one, in, uh, and I remember when uh, the new version of Star Tours opened up, it was the same thing. It was just, you know, come in and ride it all you like until you're sick of it kind of thing, and, and kind of get it out of your system, because once it opens, you're not going to get on it again for, you know, months, because right. the lines just be ridiculous kind of thing. Well, this time, and I'm not sure why, but this time with Avatar Land, they did it completely differently, and this time they did it by lottery. So you had to enter a lottery, and then if you were selected for the lottery then basically what you won was a window of time in which to go and and show up for Avatar Land, whether that was convenient to your schedule or not, you know? And so, you know, a lot of people weren't, you know, weren't selected, but then a lot of people got selected but then couldn't go couldn't go yeah so it's it's a really odd one again you know I, I, please understand like i said before i'm not complaining or anything but it, it's just it's kind of odd because you know especially for somebody like me you know i i work you know uh, uh you know up until recently was working at the front desk you know uh you know where, where guests are going to come for basically you know the info desk you know and so you know you're going to have people coming in and asking you about something that's for all intents and purposes, you're blocked out of. And so, you know, it, it's been a little bit strange this time. So, yeah, I, I haven't been able to see it. I probably won't see it for months. It's just, um, it's you know, just such so a strange concept to me. What's that? It, the, the, the whole idea... Well, just... It, it, I mean, it, it fits into the just sort of strangeness of Avatar in general. Right. And James, the, the whole... The, James Cameron and all that weird stuff like where I mean he's still planning four more Avatar movies right to come out and it was just the weirdest thing that I mean when did Avatar come out like 2009 or something like that 2010 yeah I couldn't tell you exactly but I'm somewhere in that range I'm thinking I remember my boys being younger and I remember you know, my, my only real touchstone for Avatar, and, and this was funny because you're the one that actually blew my mind by telling me that it was the number one movie. Because I had no idea. Because I remember, I don't know if we, this made it into a show or not, but I remember you and I talking about this when it was announced. And while I've never been down on the concept, at the same rate, when they first announced it, I was kind of dumbfounded, like, really? Why? That movie? Because I was under the impression that the movie bombed. And I'll tell you why. 
because the only thing I knew about the movie was that the action figures went on clearance. Because I can remember being in uh, different stores. I remember specifically in Walmart uh, when my boys were still really into action figures and seeing the Avatar stuff go clearance. And typically that means this property didn't do well. And I don't remember at the time knowing a single person that had actually seen the movie. <laughs> so when they announced that, you know, James Cameron was going to partner with Disney and that they would be creating this Avatar land, I remember my reaction. I mean, again, I wasn't down on it, but my reaction was like, really? Who wants and, this? And it was, yeah. it was, yeah, exactly. And it was you that said, dude, that's the number one movie in the world. And I'm like, you're out of your friggin' mind. And I looked it up. I'm like, holy shit, it is. It's the number one movie. But to this day... I only know a handful of people that have ever seen that movie, and most of them can't tell me anything about it. You know, I could. It, I mean, I like, saw, I saw it, I saw it once in the theater, and I think I watched it once. I found a 3D dub of it once, and I watched a 3D dub in the er, in the early days. Um, it's a good movie. It was. It was um, when it came out. The 3D was amazing. It was the first movie that I saw that the 3D was made to enhance the movie and not gimmicky and right. actually enhanced the movie. Um, the only other one other than that being um, Prometheus. Um, but it was it was a good movie. It was it's not by a long shot Cameron's greatest work though. You know what I right. mean? It was it was one of those movies where you're like, that's a good movie. It's not going to stick with you forever. You know, it's, it's, it, it, it was, it's kind of like it was an introduction and it was kind of shallow and it was just sort of, you know, it, it, it was a standard story. The company's coming in there to raid the resources of the planet and one of the guys who gets caught up in it gets caught up with the natives, you know. And so it was like his introduction into this world. And as a world builder, it was great. I mean, the thing about them building... Uh, if they were building this instead of Star Wars World, oh, no, I'd be like, no, don't do not do that. But, I mean, as far as, like, if you're going to build something like an immersive world for people to go in, that you, you probably couldn't choose better, you know? Right. I mean, you could go like Lord of the Rings or something and maybe go more popular, but um, the world he built, the actual planet, is really cool. And, uh, you know, the, the wildlife on it is really cool, so it's a great idea. It's just so weird that the timing is so far after the movies. It's And I remember the reviews being good, but being just generally like, yeah, it's not the best written, you know, it's not the deepest movie ever but the, the performances were strong Sigourney Weaver was really good in it and it looked beautiful it was just it was a good James Cameron movie it just wasn't a great like his greatest movie and but then you know you give it seven or eight years just sitting there with no follow-up you know if you followed up with a movie a couple years later and then you deepen it and and enrich it then all of a sudden it makes the first movie better and all that stuff but it just sort of ended you know and then in genre movie land 
you know if a movie just does that people just start picking over it and it goes from being like yeah that was a pretty good movie to like Ugh, come on avatar what a joke you know i think that's cameron's i mean that's cameron's fault for not keeping it keeping up with it you know what i mean it's 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 a weird property it's it's like almost like a non-property property and i mean i i I, i'm gotta assume or hope that he's whatever the next avatar movie is it's going to be like (laughs) groundbreaking amazing or what you know whatever it's going to have to be to sort of you know get people back in to paying attention it's sort of like um independence day 2 mm-hmm. came out and, and and that made a lot of money too i guess but it was you know 10 years too late you know what i mean to where right. a lot of people just didn't care and it came out it made its money and then it just went away and nobody really like i guess it was really bad too according to people who've seen it but you know, it was it it wasn't the like I I think they thought that that was gonna be, it's back. You know, Independence Day is back, and people were gonna be rushing into the cinemas, and it's like, oh no, <laughs> not really. <laughs> A lot of the cinema goers were too young to go to the first one anyway. You know, right? Much yeah, less true. get that excited about this one. It's just a movie. It's just another movie they watch on cable. Yep. As is Avatar now. You know, so. I mean, I I definitely next time I go there I will want to see Avatar Land because it it would be, a it there's so much potential for rides if they, if they did um, what was that ride we went on Soren? Yeah. If they did like a Soren, where you were flying on a dragon through well, Pandora heard... or whatever the planet is, that would be pretty cool. Well, there's there's two rides that they've created from this, and I've heard that the um, gosh, I, I feel bad, I don't know the the proper name of it, but I've heard that the flying ride that they created, I've heard it described as Soren on steroids. So oh, they're, excellent! Soren was yeah. pretty neat, man. <laughs> Throw some steroids in there, and you might have heart attacks. <laughs> Well, I'm trying to remember, when you were here, I don't think I ever took you over to Animal Kingdom, did I? Did we go to Animal Kingdom? We oh, no, did, we did. We did, because we, we rode Everest, that's right. We rode Everest, and it took forever, and that sort of ate up our time. And, like, the thing I remember most about Animal Kingdom is that awesome, like, hot dog hamburger shack we ate at with all the <laughs> old artwork. That's right. Yeah, I forgot about that. But, you know, I my philosophy about... Uh, the Avatar land, you know, I I haven't heard anybody else say this, but my philosophy is, you know, I I really don't care what it is. I don't care what property it is, what what thing they create. Animal Kingdom just simply needs something. Mm -hmm. And I think that the people that that have really, I mean, because some people have really gone off the deep end with, with whining and complaining about Avatar land. Why are they doing this? And who cares about Avatar and blah, 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 and all this other stuff. I think they just they lack perspective, uh, specifically Disney history perspective, and, and I mean that a couple of ways because, for one, you know I've heard a lot of complaining about you know basing it on an IP or basing it on a genre. Well, that goes all the way back to the early days of Disneyland. You know, you look at the size of Frontierland when. Disneyland open. Frontierland was the largest land by a huge margin. Well, why was that? 
suppose because the park was created in the 50s when the Western ruled the cinema and the TV, you know? So that was a big deal, and that was why it was so big. So, I mean, basing, you know, theme park things, especially for Disney, on popular movie genres, you know, that goes all the way back to, you know, the very earliest days. Um, basing it on specific IPs, I mean, that's really not anything new because they've been doing that, you know, pretty much since the early days too. Now, granted, they were their own IPs, you know, with, uh, with the animated classics and everything, but I mean, they, they've always done that, even with stuff that they had to partner with. You know, you look at the early Lucasfilm attractions like Star Tours and Captain EO and things like that. So that's not anything new. But my biggest thing is the people that complain about, like, ah, who cares? Who even knows that movie or remembers that movie? Well, you know, there's a number of, you know, really great and classic attractions that are based on things that people now really don't remember the original thing at all, yet they'll still hold some of these attractions in very high regards. You know, a couple I can think of right off the top of my head, Mr. Toad's Wild Ride. That was a hugely popular attraction when it was at Walt Disney World. It's not there anymore, but they still have it out in Disneyland. Still a hugely popular attraction out there. There's not a lot of people I know that actually have seen uh, the adventures of uh, Ichabod and Mr. Toad where that actually where that Came story from. comes from. Uh, another one I can think of is uh, the Swiss Family Treehouse. I don't know a lot of people that could tell you a whole heck of a lot about the Swiss Family Robinson movie. I mean, that movie was made in the 50s, or maybe 60s. I think it was Ar- late 50s. Ar- arguably, like Mr. Toad's Wild Ride and the Swiss Family Robinson Treehouse are the things, are like, the only way that people are, that like young people are probably getting exposed, you know, or not the only way, but the major way that they're getting exposed to Swiss Family Robinson or Mr. Yeah, exactly. Toad. Yeah, and they may not even realize and, that those attractions are even based on a movie because they've never even heard of it, you know? Well, so Also, Avatar, if it is the number one movie, that means it probably made a hell of a lot of money overseas, too. Right. And so, but and, and who knows what its reception was overseas? It could have been the greatest thing since sliced bread. So, you know, I mean, I mean, Disney, I mean, Disney World, both Disney World and Disneyland must get a a, you know, a, a good amount of international tourists coming in. So, well, you know, Walt Disney World more than than Disneyland, but yes, right. they both do. I mean, you know, our parks here in Florida. I mean, this is you know, this is hands down the the number one tourist destination in the world. So there you go. I mean, it is uh, right. We are so, serving a world audience. So it might be a bigger deal outside of the United States, <laughs> which is funny be. because it's yeah. a movie made by an American director, but, you know, mm-hmm. that's sort of how it goes nowadays in the, the, the movie industry. What's funny is uh, I, I've been wanting to see the movie just, you know, more than anything, just for, you know, job knowledge ever since uh, it started to really solidify that, yes, this was going to happen. We were going to get an Avatar land, and now that, you know, it's upon us, uh, I really wanted to see it that much more to, you know, again, just to kind of bone up and know what the heck the thing was all about. I ended up finding it on Blu-ray, I don't know, it was about, I don't know, two, three weeks ago. I found it at a Goodwill um, Blu-ray, you know, Blu-ray for two bucks, you know. So I picked it up. Still have to watch it yet. I haven't, I still haven't made the time to watch it, but I will. It's a good movie. It's, it's you know, it's, it's, it's no, you know, 
it doesn't have say like the depth that Titanic had in it or you know it, of his earlier you know or just the energy of his earlier stuff but it's it's pretty impressive I, I, I wonder you know also like 10 years later or 7 years after it's been made how the CG stands up you know to, to today right because it definitely you know every two or three years there's it's definitely jumping jumping up so you know and i'm and i'm wondering if he's going to be pursuing because that was a movie he filmed it you know it was filmed in the 3d process and he was going to revolutionize 3d and it makes me wonder if uh if that really panned out and if he'll just make them as regular movies again i'm sort of hoping so i'm not a big 3d fan um, when we went to see Guardians of the Galaxy, we went to see it in 2D, and we're like, ah, we'll go see, see it in 3D later, and then as we were walking out, Scott and I were like, yeah, maybe not. <laughs> I 3D. saw the original Guardians in, uh, in 3D, so and absolutely I. loved it, but... I think I saw it in 3D IMAX, I think, I think, when we first went to see it, but that's a $30 venture now if you want to have popcorn, yeah. so, yeah. you know... There's so many movies to watch this summer, and and I just saved I saved a little money. Actually, Scotty lent me some money, so I owe him the I'm, I owe him the ticket to uh, Wonder Woman. And I thought Wonder Woman started this weekend, so I thought we were gonna go see Wonder Woman yesterday. And then uh, I was like, oh no, it's another week. Okay, good. Uh, don't 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 give them your money. Do you you really gonna go see that? I'm 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 curious. It's not Zack Snyder directed, so I'll probably pay for it. Um, I'll, I'll go see. Well, I'm gonna go see. Well, Justice League isn't Jack, Zack Snyder anymore, um, and and I feel bad because I there's you know I don't want to say anything about it because the circumstances are so horrible. But um, right. Um, I've the the all the reports I've heard from of Wonder Woman, and um, I'm in this this group on Facebook and I guess it's a podcast too. And I I'm ashamed to say I've never listened to their podcast called the gentleman's guide to uh, midnight cinema. Mm-hmm. And a few of the people in there are definitely film industry people and, rev- and critics and stuff. So they get to see the movies early and they're, you know, I've been, I've been on that group for a while. So I've been watching them through the DC movies nowadays and they have not been liking the DC movies and uh, another thing I like about them is they're not 100% like, hey, at least the Dark Knight movies were good. There's plenty of dissenters on that, too. And four or five of the people have seen Wonder Woman, and they're like, this actually um, captures the comic, you know, the, the, the fun light. You know, there's humor in it, and, and the character, and I guess Gal Gadot and Gal Gadot? And Chris Pine are really good in it. You know, they have a really good chemistry, and you like understand a relationship with them. But so, you know, I'm I'm always going to hold out the hope that the that there's going to be DC movies that I like because I want to like them. I want to have something else to look forward to. So, and a lot, I I I would have to say I'd, I'll put this caveat in. If I wasn't um, doing podcasts these days if I wasn't going to to want to spout off about something I probably wouldn't see it 
but as it is now I'll be able to at least engage in the the conversation and say the thing the thing that um you know the with the Warner Brothers movies is there's always every Warner Brothers superhero movie that comes out right before it comes out Warner Brothers always does some sort of screening and then they uh, this is the greatest movie since sliced bread and then the critics come out and then just start saying mm-hmm. well actually it kind of sucks and right. uh and this time <laughs> It, it, they were both sort of aligned, so I'm like, all right, I'll check it out. That's you know, it's definitely low on my list of what I'm looking forward to the most, which is probably Spider-Man at this point. Um, the other one was was uh, Alien Covenant, but I've already seen that twice now. What'd you think? I love it. I love it. Love it. Love it. I loved Prometheus, so I'm one of those rare people that like. Prometheus really like hit a lot of I don't know if you ever um you know Jonathan Kreitz Jonathan Kreitz also was the other person you know you know how usually when you have that one weird lone wolf opinion on a movie you can usually find one other person Jonathan Kreitz is that that other guy who saw Prometheus sort of in the same way <laughs> now I have a picture on my sorry to break into this but I have a, my screensaver is Kirk talking to Spock but the way my Skype is positioned, it's got your picture, which is an elk <laughs> over <laughs> Spock's face. So Kirk is is addressing an elk. Um, so but but Jonathan Kreitz and I did like a three-hour, you know, review of Prometheus where we were going through all the religious symbolism and ancient aliens lore in it and stuff like that. And uh, so we have a, so I won't go into too much about the movie because I have a, a, a date for another three hour podcast with Jonathan Kreitz on this one whenever he gets around to seeing it which should be in the next week or so but I loved it um, I it's it's weird I read positive middling and negative reviews of it before I saw it I, I stuck to the spoiler free stuff but there was a lot of uh, there, there, there was a lot of middling and then on both edges, a lot of like really positive and really negative reviews of it. And uh, when I saw the movie, even the and I loved it. Even the positive reviews I read, I was like, did these people see the same movie that that I did? Because they were saying, well, it, it drops a lot of the the crazy stuff from Prometheus and just a sort of a mini version of Alien and. I did not find that at all. I found it as a full full bore continuation of Prometheus. It's it's the storyline from Prometheus continued, you know. Hmm. I mean, Fastbinder Fastbender gets to play basically the enemy within Kirk. <laughs> it's not it's not a chew in the scenery. But he's he's playing it's 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 a little data lore thing going on in this movie. <coughs> Did he but not it's Fastbender. Because I don't I I know I saw the movie I watched the movie but I'll be damned if I can remember much about it now. I remember you liked it. I remember you yeah, saw it. And I, you I, you were surprised. You were like, yeah, I really I actually really liked it, and I was surprised you liked it too, just because everybody else has kind of been like, yeah, whatever, it was stupid. And it and I I admit it had some stupid things that happened in it, um, some of which I've changed my mind on, 
and I think they were meant to be like that, some of which I think there was a little bit of weak writing in Prometheus. The writing in this one is definitely better, but um, I like, uh, you know, I'm... Probably, what helped me probably like it a lot is that I'm not terribly invested in that that world or that universe because off the top of my head the only two alien things i ever liked is i like aliens the the second one the james cameron movie mm -hmm. i think that that is i think that's you know it's jaws i think it's right up there on that scale i think that's a damn good it's movie it's i i think it's one of the perfect movies yeah and uh and then there there was uh when dark horse was first starting out mm-hmm and one of their first big, maybe their, it might be their, you know, the first big hit they ever had, but it was definitely one of the earliest uh, first big hits they ever had, was they had a miniseries that was, I want to say six issues, I could be wrong, but it was a, it was a miniseries. And it was, it took place, it had Newt as a young woman, and, and she falls in love with this dude, and I'm trying to remember if, Hicks was in it, and I want to say he was in it too. And uh, and it was a really, really good miniseries. I mean, I haven't read it in decades, but uh, it, it was really so. I remember really liking that and thinking it was a really good story. And it was one of the many reasons that I absolutely hated Alien Three. Three. Because oh, of course, that negates had, all of that. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, here was the perfect continuation. And they went with Alien 3, which was just a friggin' disgrace. Um, but, I mean, those were really the only ones I, I ever really got into. I, I know it's a very unpopular opinion, but gotta be said, I never liked the original Alien. And Lord knows I've tried. I've watched I, that's the movie. That's a Jaws for me, too. See, I, I just can't get into the original one. I just found it an incredibly plodding movie. It's so slow. But, I mean, that's me. I mean, I saw that movie... Well, part of the problem for me, I will freely admit, is that I saw Aliens before I saw yes. Alien. And to me, trying to step back into Alien, having then seen, you know, Cameron's movie, which is just... The walls covered with know, aliens, yes. Yeah, I just, I, can't, I just can't make that transition backwards. It's one of those movies that unfortunately... See, I I went to the movies with my dad and a bunch of other kids. You know, my dad did a stealth, like, oh, I'm going to go take him to see, you know, some G-rated movie, and he took us all to see Alien. So that was, and, you know, of course, it scared the shit out of us because it was, what, 1979, I think it came out. So I was like, right. we were all 10 years old. Um, and uh, the thing about the Alien movies is what I've loved about them, even Alien 3, which, you know is you know the story behind what happened with alien 3 is a long and involved and you know classic hollywood story of a good filmmaker getting screwed over on on a movie that they gave him a lot of money to do but uh each one tries to like alien was you know the monster in the old dark house alien 2 was full out full bore like you know the perfect action movie you know it was it was it had elements of horror in it but it was a horror action movie and mm -hmm. then alien 3 was this sort of you know dystopian thing and then alien 4 was this crazy comic book sort of 
thing. The the I think Alien Four was probably more like a lot of the Dark Horse comics, but yeah, they were all like was. they all got, you know, they all found really up good up and coming directors, and you know went in a different direction with each of them. They were like exploring the the idea of it, you know, and uh, so I've always kind of admired it for that. And then Prometheus came along and just went on a tangent in almost a different cosmic direction, which is more towards my liking anyway, you know. I found the stuff, like... And and like you said, once you've seen hundreds of aliens coming down a hallway at you, you know, the the one guy, the you know, one, one alien at a time now isn't quite as scary, you know. It's the idea of that alien being scary sort of got played out in the first movie, you know as a lurking creature. So like now I like the idea of Prometheus being like, you know, who created man and then this robot that's just going out of control. You know, I I like that. And I like that the aliens are sort of just a sideline. It's almost like they got to throw the aliens in the movie now to get people to go to it. But right. they're trying to pu- they're trying to hang a larger story onto it. I don't know. I guess Covenant tanked at the box office, so maybe we'll never find out, you know, where it's going. But uh I really I'm I'm a huge fan of Fastbender anyway. Fastbender's like my favorite like n- n- you know, new young actor right now. It's like I haven't seen anything that he's done lately and he and it's all and it's even all been genre work, but when you put Fastbender in a movie, all of a sudden that you know, it just takes it up that many notches because he's good. Yeah. And now he's playing. He's playing his role from Prometheus, and then he's playing a later version of himself, where they sort of toned him back a little bit because the Davids were too uncanny for humans, and so now he's playing himself as sort of, he's a mixture of David and Hicks. You know, because he's it, this is all happening before Alien and Aliens. So so he's sort of a forerunner of Hicks. And he actually, th- you know, about halfway through the movie, I'm like, why is he so familiar? And I'm like, oh, my God, he's, you know, you're seeing a little bit of Hicks programming in him. Are You, you mean Bishop? Or Bishop. Bishop was, yeah, I'm Bishop sorry, was, Bishop. Yeah. I, I thought I knew what you meant, though. Yeah, Hicks Hicks was Michael Bain's character, the, the Marine. Yes, yes. But... Yeah, I mean it's worth it just to watch Fastbender go to town. Ta- Fastbender is like like the the robot in Prometheus and Covenant is is like basically the new Hannibal Lecter, the new just like <laughs> great psycho character, you know? Right. So I highly recommend it. But that's all I'm. There'll uh, there'll be an in depth two true freak show with Jonathan Kreitz and I going into all the symbolism and stuff it's it's one of those movies i think people when you know that are prone to not liking it because they want uh they want aliens or they want you know a straight up fighting the xenomorph movie they're not going to watch it a second time and that's the shame about it because the second time i watched covenant i was just like oh man Uh, you know every bit of dialogue started taking on a new meaning and it started piecing together back with prometheus and stuff and i started realizing ridley scott's put a lot of thought into this you know this is he's not just faking his way through these to make money he's like 194 years old what does he care about money (laughs) you know 
So he's he's just trying to get like ideas out there and it's it's kind of fascinating. I'm I'm kind of curious to how the new Blade Runner is going to be. I'm very uh, Oh it's god. It's going to be hard for me to get over the doubt the the doubtful um <laughs> uncanny valley of doubt on that one though. The visuals look beautiful for it, but as I was watching it like the second and third time I watched the trailer for it, I was realizing a lot of what's happening in this is just a recreation of what was happening in in Blade Runner. So is this going to be basically Blade Runner again with a younger guy and then a visit to old man, you know, old man Harrison? Right. I hope not. You know, I hope that they cuz Philip K Dick who they got the idea from, they did not it's definitely not the they did not adapt the book really except no. just a few ideas thrown in here and there but did you know you, uh, when did you go with me that time i went to see it at do you remember the old two screener in watertown oh of course did you go with me when i went to see that it's very possible i don't remember who i saw i mean i think i saw it at least a couple times there when it came out because I was really excited to go see that on the big screen, because that was a movie I fell in love with from HBO, but I'd never seen it on the big screen. And that was when they were really touting the director's cut, or or whatever the hell mm-hmm. they called it, because there's been like 400 there's different... like 18 versions of it, yeah. But it was one of, the, one of the special editions, anyway, whatever the hell they called it. And I went, and I was so excited to see it and everything... And I don't know if you went or not, but I know specifically that uh, I took Randy with me because he'd never seen it. And but he considered himself a big um, Harrison Ford fan. And we went and he fell dead asleep and slept through the entire movie. And I remember um, being just bored out of my mind because I could never put my finger on what they changed that ruined it for me. But they did something. For one thing, that was the version where they added the narration to, or no, the version they where they the took narration the narration off. Out. And you know, God bless movie directors. You know, especially uh, who is that on that one? Ridley Scott. Ridley Scott. You know, I, I remember all the hubbub in whatever it was, Starlog magazine or whatever, about him being pissed that the studio tinkered with his project you know with his baby by putting in the the narration and how he was so vehemently opposed to that and everything but you know this is a rare situation where i'm going to side with the studio and go you know what good call because that's the last time i saw blade runner and it it kind of ruined the movie for me i haven't seen it again since and i i have a feeling it wouldn't hold up anymore but there was just without that narration Man, it just it was really plotting. It it really it just didn't flow, it didn't move. And I think that was also the one that had the uh the 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 alternate ending, which I'm trying to remember what the alternate ending was, but that was real it was very controversial, I remember. Well, they took off they, they the the narration at the end sort of um well, it didn't intimate it. It flat out said that she wasn't going to die. She wasn't a mm-hmm. normal replicant that 
you know, right, she, right. They she gave was going to live ending. like a normal yeah. woman and gave it a happy ending. And what what and was he the, wanted to, he wanted that not to be it. He wanted it to be just like as she's a normal replicant. They're going off, and he's got a limited amount of time. He wanted a more realistic right. ending for it. And there was also a lot of subtext and symbolism in there where they were you know hinting that Deckard might be a replicant. Also. Right, I remember. Yeah, I remember that. And, too. Uh, and that's something that didn't come out till years after, like when they started doing the the recuts and stuff. Then then people started talking about that. And so I don't know if he was doing the recuts because he wanted to work more of that. But the problem is, once you make that original theatrical cut, it, even even with the stuff that he didn't like in it, you have to cut it to flow. You know, you 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 know, you're coming down to that part time where you have to put your movie out and you have to make it work so you know direct that's what kind of sucks about most director's cuts is that they have to take something that they tinkered with to make it work then and put their stuff back in and it it messes up the flow of it you know right. all of a sudden there'll be a scene in there and the whole and when you watch a movie more than once and or a lot of times you get that that flow it's like a piece of music you know and to have that flow get chopped up and and messed around with it messes with it it messes with the whole feel of the whole thing and it can it can ruin it and with the attempt to fix it you know i can't think of a better example of what you're saying than the the donner cut of superman 2 Yes, because that I watched that purely out of you know the the curiosity. So factor. it's 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 watching it is not to watch like an enjoyable movie as much as it is to get. It's like a filmmaking film school experiment. You know, it's like right. Okay, I can sort of get an idea of where what he was where 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 he wanted to go with this, but you're never going to be able to go. You know. The only way you're going to be able to do that is if they preserved every little piece of film that you shot and, you know, you get a whole crew back together and and rework the whole thing. It would be so expensive and and pointless. And, yep. yeah, and you end up getting, yeah, the, I, I remember watching that and being like, this is interesting because if you, if you know the story of it, but if that was your introduction, if that was what you originally saw... Oh my God! <laughs> it, it would not have worked. <laughs> well, one of the big problems for me is that they decided, for for whatever reason, I don't know if it was a rights issue or what, but they decided with the Donner cut not to go with anything that uh, was scored by Ken Thorne for the theatrical release of Superman Two. So basically, they had to rescore the entire movie. Mm -hmm. Well, rather than rescore it, what they did was they took the existing soundtrack of Superman the movie by John Williams, and then they just basically rearranged the composition to try to fit with Superman 2. And I'm sorry, but it was a colossal failure because it was so jarring to me. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't jarring just because 
you were you know there are entire scenes in the Donner cut that are exactly the same as the Lester cut. You know that was unavoidable. So you do have huge swaths of the movie that are exactly the same. Yet now the scoring was different and again you're tacking another film's score onto your movie so that was really bad but then the parts of the movie that were original if you know what i mean because you know there's not i'll be honest there's not a lot of ken thorne's superman two or three that are Original, you know what I mean? Because right. Thorne, all He's, Thorne he, did he was, was reworking. Work. He was yeah. basically reworking the Superman um, but soundtrack, the thing, but he reworked it to the visual exactly. of the movie. You know, exactly. so even though he was using Williams' score, it was still at the end of the day a rescoring right. for yeah. that picture. Right, and if and you really not- wanted to do that right for the Donner cut, you would have to spend the money to to hire to John Williams back or hire Ken Thorne back. And right, go, or somebody. somebody you know? One of the two of them, you know? And, uh, I mean, Ken Thorne can obviously do it because he did it with Superman 2 and he did a great job with it. So, you know, but you but that's the thing is, it, it, and, and instead what they were doing was just like cobbling it together with what they had. And that's how it plays, it's, it's, too. It's like, yeah, and it's like a cheap, it's a cheap way out and it, it ends up becoming like academic, you know? Yep. It's like, okay, here's something for the fans to look at and go like, okay, this was envisioned differently and here's a rough, you know rough version of of what would have happened if it had been originally envisioned like that but it, it's it's not what it would have looked like you know right and so it's almost like what's the point you know i'd rather you know what i'd rather have i'd rather have a big big fat book of storyboards right of it you know and and say this is what it was originally going to be cut like and let and let your mind put some soundtrack music on it or something when you read it that would be I, that would be more, you know, I think, faithful to the material to me. Yeah, I agree. So, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm glad it's out there. I'm glad it's something that, that can be watched and everything. But, you know, it, it's it's no more a, a finished project than, you know, some some deleted scenes on a DVD somewhere, you know? Yeah. Because there, there simply are portions of it that, you know, unless you're willing to spend money, uh, there's there's vast portions of it that, while they're calling it the Donner cut, well, they're they're incomplete scenes. You know, the 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 effects are unfinished or unpolished, and, it, and it, so it has a very the sound mix isn't all the way there. Yeah, yeah. I mean. The, the alternate part with, with Clark and Lois at the beginning, because, of course, you know, in the Donner cut, you no longer have the uh, Eiffel Tower sequence. You have a completely different sequence. Well, that different sequence is from discarded footage, you know, that was not complete. And then also the thing with uh, with the Honeymoon Hotel is different as well. And that is actually from auditions. So you have a much younger and much scrawnier Christopher Reeve playing off of a, a Margot Kidder 
in stuff that was never ever even intended for the for the big screen. It, mm-hmm. it was auditions. So mm-hmm. yeah, it just it, it just doesn't work. Unfortunately, it, it's you know it, it's sad, but it, it just doesn't. Yep, the same sort. Of, actually, we were talking about Alien Three later earlier on, and uh, that was another one that like I had been hearing they were gonna when they finally put the director's cut out. I was like, oh, finally, I want to see this because I remember seeing it going there was a good movie in there somewhere but half of it's laying on a cutting room floor right so and that was another one where it was like you could tell they just didn't have all the stuff to do it you know so it gave you a sort of idea so it brought it up a little bit but it still didn't fundamentally change it into a good movie because he never you know he never really got to do what he needed to do to make his movie in the first place. So how are you going to do that with what you've got left from from the last movie? You know, it's never going to happen. So you get a couple couple cutting room floor scenes and st- and s- stuff like that. But you can, I mean, maybe in the future if they want to get rid, but still you're going to have to spend money in the future now. Like you could fix up the effects. You could add the effects in with CG and stuff like that or metal with the the actors or something like that and 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 redo whole things the way you want it to but to to it would just be so expensive it would almost be like remaking the movie yeah i i think it's almost better to just move on to your next movie you know and and be like, yeah, that one will not, you know, that's the fate of the artist. Your art is never, never, never just, or very, very, very rarely do you go like, oh, that's exactly what I wanted. The end. <laughs> we'll, put, we'll hang that one up on the wall. It's perfect. So, well, you know, to this day, off the top of my head, to this day, the, the only one I can ever remember, you know, of the of the director's cuts that I thought, really worked was the the star trek the motion picture one that oh yeah is that was an example of doing it right you know they they went in they i think part of what helped with that was that they had more than enough footage you know what i mean it was a movie that that had long been criticized for being bloated and uh you know just you know all the different criticisms that you hear so they had a lot to work with. So it wasn't so much a matter of adding in, you know, deleted things or anything. It was more a matter of paring down from everything that you had and, and trying to make it a, a more, uh, uh, more balanced movie or what, you know, whatever it was that they were going for. But also, the thing that that continues to just impress the hell out of me with that movie was the fact that they actually were willing to spend both time and money to readdress some technical issues with the movie and with the special effects. Mm -hmm. So they took all that time, they spent all that money, they addressed those things, and then, best of all, they were able to flawlessly integrate them so that the effects look like 70s effects. So it, it flows with the movie. Yeah, and it's, it's sort of like when they did the original series special edition yeah stuff right there was there was a lot of thought put into it yeah but even even better than that because I you know don't get me wrong I love 
the retinkered classic episodes, but even there, you know, you you can tell it's it's been updated. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah, it's yeah. it's it's modernized. And I don't get that feeling from the director's cut of, of Star Trek the Motion Picture. It just flows. You know, it it integrates at least to my mind, I think it integrates seamlessly so that they they made these effects you know, they're they're awesome, they're incredible, but they also just blend naturally. They blend seamlessly. They don't jump out and slap you like, hey, I'm a brand new effect or a brand new scene. They just work right in naturally. I think, you know, if you're going to do these things, that's the way to do it, yeah, is do your agree. best to make it feel like it was always there. You're, you're serving the material rather than sort of showing off what you can do or, yeah, or exactly. calling attention to yourself. That reminds me, two weeks ago, I had, I finally... Finally found it at a garage sale. It's held. It, the cover's held on with tape, but I don't give a shit. Marvel <laughs> Super Special, I think number fifteen, maybe. Uh, Star Trek: The Motion Picture. Oh, nice! I've never had a never had a copy of that, so now I finally I, have one. I uh, think you got me beat on that because I don't think I have that as part of my own collection. Oh, really? I thought for That's... sure you would. I, I may have, I, I could be wrong, I may have gone back and filled it in, but if you remember, we actually met um, Bob Larkin, who did that cover at Eternal Con. Yes. And I and I bought the print, because I just, I love that piece of art, I've always thought it was a great piece of art, but holy shit, did you hear that? Yeah, it sounded like someone threw a trash can against the side of your house. <laughs> Man, they are hitting uh, hard and heavy tonight. Uh, Scott uh, Scott McGregor's benefit. I opened it up. I'm like, I wonder who did the art, and I and I'm like, I open it up, and and he looks over. He goes, Klaus Jansen inked it, and I'm like, Yep, you're right. <laughs> Let me see. What what is that number fifteen? You I said. Think it's maybe thirteen or fifteen. Uh, I don't have it within. Was oh, super special, right? Yeah. Let's see. I'm looking here. I do not have it. What I what I've always had is I've had the. Uh, you remember they they did the little paperbacks, the yes. whatever the hell they were called. I forget they were the Marvel Comics something presents. I can't remember what the hell they were called, but the little paperback size. That's what I have for that one. And I think here's the irony: I bought that print from Larkin because I've always loved it. it. It was a print of the cover as a litho, and that copy that I have of that book is coverless. Oh, nice. <laughs> So, yeah, that's one uh, I, I've always meant to go and fill in that gap in my collection, but no, I, I don't have that particular one. You know, I know we, we had talked about this a while ago, but uh, gosh, it's got to be a couple of years ago now, but I finally scored a copy of number three of that, which is Close Encounters, which I remember you had when we were kids. And I, I don't think I have it anymore either. Yeah. And that's more Klaus Jansen inking on it. We, I think it's we, Walt Simonson, isn't it? Um, may, no, it might be Perez. Walt Simonson, or I don't think so. It, it's either it's either Simonson or Colin, one of the two. I don't think it's Perez, only because Perez did the very next one, which was the Beatles. The Beatles which one. I finally got that. Um, it was, that was actually uh, Russell Bragg sent me a copy of that. The the Close Encounters one. I've still got my Beatles one, but it has no cover on it. The Close right. Encounters one, it was somebody good. It was somebody really good. I want to say maybe it was even Gene Colan. But it, whoever it was, they they 
their style wasn't fully formed yet, so it was fairly generic, or they were trying to be subdued for it. And then I think when you put Klaus Janssen on it, too, it adds that layer. I can't remember who it was who did that Close Encounters one. That was an interesting one because I think they didn't have... It, there was a lot of likeness um, changing in it, you know. So they didn't do a full Richard Dreyfus with, you know, Roy Neary. And what's really funny is I saw, I found a UF, an old 70s UFO documentary on YouTube. And, um, and I was watching it mainly because it was narrated by a combination of alternating Vincent Price and, um, oh, what the hell is his name? Um, oh, he, the coach in Rocky. Um, oh, Burgess Meredith. Burgess Meredith. So it's like half Vincent Price, half Burgess Meredith narrating this thing. So it's <laughs> like, ooh. And, uh, but they had this, they, they brought the French UFO, uh, this, you know, famous French UFOologist in. And then I realized, oh my god, this is the guy that they based, and I looked it up, and sure enough, this was the guy that they based um, Francois Truffaut's character in, remember the French guy who meets Neri oh, yeah. at the end? They looked yeah. almost, ex the guy's like talking in his French accent and like, so the UFOs, are blah, 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 and I'm like, oh my god, no wonder they got Truffaut to play this guy, they're like dead ringers it was just so amazing i'm like oh my god this guy ended up in close encounters i'm sure that movie was like a couple years before close encounters came out i love those old 70s ufo documentaries are so awesome <laughs> to watch my dad used to take me to him i can't remember the name of the theater that used to be on the main street of watertown the Olympic? The Olympic, yes. My dad used to take me to the, the Olympic to see all the Sun Classic, you know, UFO, Bigfoot, um, Ancient Aliens movies, all of those. I uh, I never remember that place actually ever being open. And, you know, so long as I ever knew it, it was always that abandoned theater that stood there all those years. And I always wanted to sneak into that place. Because I can remember my dad telling me stories of how beautiful it was back in the day on the inside, you know, with the curtains and the balcony and all that. And I, it I never was did pretty trashed by the time I was watching movies there. And right. I have a feeling my dad probably knew about the place because that's the place where they would show porno movies too. <laughs> that was uh, it. Was like that was, or, or you know, I mean, if we were, if we were five or six years older, or maybe uh, maybe like ten years older. If we were born 10 years earlier, we probably would have been going there to see, you know, third-rate science fiction movies and Chop Saki movies and stuff like that, you know? Right. It was like the second run, you know, it was drive-in movie fair and, and grown-up fair after dark, you know? It was matinees with... and But they did... But when like a lot of like a lot of my early Disney movies that I saw are kitty movies, I saw Chitty Chitty Bang Bang there, I remember once. So, you know, sometimes during the day they would have kitty matinees. Who knew what was going on there at night though, but <laughs> But I always remember it was like neat, but the curtains were frayed and and you know, all washed out and stuff. 
And uh, the I I don't know if you ever went, did you ever go to the theater that was in Lauville? Once, just to see Close Encounters. That was a I saw I saw I remember seeing Popeye there. I saw <laughs> Raiders of Lost Ark there, and I remember seeing National Lampoon's Vacation there. And uh, <laughs> that was a great old classic, you know, with the curtains. Right. You know. Mo- oh yeah. I, to this day, that may be the most beautiful theater I'd ever been in. Yeah, it was. It was something. Because most most of the theaters, you know, when when I was growing up, you know, by the time we were growing up, I and mean, most of them were, you know, your standard, you know, dank cineplex. You know what I mean? Yeah. Your standard modern day cineplex. But that one in Lowellville, I mean, that place had been around a long time. And I remember going in there, and they had statuary on the walls. They had a real curtain that pulled back. It was all kept was, up. Yeah. Yeah, it was beautiful. It, it was. It was as it was, at least in the seventies and eighties. It was as it was, you know, probably in the fifties when they made it, or maybe even earlier. It was probably like in the forties when they when they made yeah. it. But yeah, we only. Uh, I only ever went there the one time. My my father. I, I don't. I couldn't tell you now why. It was kind but, of a longer uh, put, drive to it, get it to. It was. Yeah. He put the he put the whole family in the car, and I remember we all went as a family. We went and we saw Close Encounters, and that's the only time we ever uh, we ever went to that theater. And I think you know probably the biggest reason is that Lava was just frankly a pain in the ass to get to. You know, yeah. it was further away. It was all those hills and all that shit and everything. And I mean, Lowville... I mean, not that Watertown was any sort of teeming metropolis, but Lowville didn't have shit in it back then. I don't know what it's like today, but back then, I mean, there was just nothing there. Lowville was Lowville was like basically where I think a lot of I don't know if I want to say flat out rich people lived, but well off people lived to sort of stay away from Rochester, Rochester, Watertown, and Carthage. Really? Because I don't remember that. I remember Lowellville being a bunch of friggin' hicks. That's what I thought it always. No, was. well, so it was. It was a. I'm sure there were a lot of hicks that lived there, but like the downtown area was like a super well preserved, like classic Mayberry, you know, small town, and I mean. For for you and I, there was nothing there. You know, there was probably you know it was just like a five and ten store, a couple restaurants, you know, you know some clothing of- stores. But it was all you know, it was all just sort of like middle class, lady shopping. You know, but it was speaking all still of- in that fifties forties style. You know, classic right. um, Ray Bradbury sort of small town <laughs> thing, and you know, and and. Uh, yeah, and and all around downtown were all these really nice houses, and then probably as you got a little further out, it was more like Carthage or any other sticks area around there, which was you right. know flat out redneck. But speaking um, of uh, speaking of Mayberry, do you get Me TV where you live? I don't know. I don't have a TV with Cave. My roommate has a TV. I do all my consumption by by computer. I am God, my brain is just not firing tonight. What what's what's our friend's name? He's I think he's done a number of um, long plays with you, Bob Fisher. Bob, Bob Fisher. Fisher. Sorry, Bob. It took me a minute to think of your name. Bob Fisher. I remember Bob Fisher posting, and this probably goes back a year or two ago now. But I remember him posting a lot 
about things on uh, on MeTV when MeTV first came along, or maybe when he first discovered it. I don't know how long MeTV's been around. But anyway, it was the first I'd ever heard of MeTV was through Bob Fisher because he kept posting stuff about it. And one of the things I remember him posting a lot about was uh, the Adventures of Superman with George Reeves being on there, which I'll admit I'm not the biggest fan in the world of, but part of the reason is, um, I mean, I watched that show when I was a real little kid, and I don't have real clear memories of it. So the fact that it was playing again, I was like, you know, I could get into that. And then I remember checking the listings for it, and they were playing, you know, all the classics. They were playing like Wonder Woman and Six Million Dollar Man and Incredible Hulk and, you know, classic sci-fi. So I was under the impression that MeTV was for me, you know, like right up my alley. And I'll, I'll be honest with you, we have switched services. I mean, we've lived in this house now, go, I think seven years or thereabouts, going on seven years. And we've switched, you know, between cable and dish and different things. We've probably done it a dozen times, you know, usually because it's it's a combination of one, it gets too expensive or you're trying to save money or whatever. And then it's just you get so sick of it because it's nothing but shit programming. You know, you just decide, OK, it's time for a change. So every single time we'd ever switch, I kept inquiring about me TV and one time we even got my wife got suckered into signing up with one of them because they said they had it only to find out that they didn't have it. And I was really pissed. Well, anyway, we eventually uh, a couple of months ago, we, we ditched everything. We got rid of the dish. We canceled the cable. We did all of that and we went totally cable free. So now we go through everything's through the Internet. So we're doing like Netflix and Hulu and all that shit. Anyway, long story short, and one of those services that we are now using they have MeTV. And I was so excited to get MeTV finally after all this time. Haven't watched it once. Because every single friggin' time I ever tuned to MeTV, it's something with Andy Griffith in it. It's either <laughs> Mayberry or fucking Matlock. Matt one Locke. of the two. Every single time I flip to it. So I'm like, either they changed the programming or this is what it always was and I just had a false sense of what it was but to this day I've still never seen a Superman, Hulk or Six Million Dollar Man episode on MeTV so I don't know what the hell that's all it's about it's probably but. like Netflix where they license them for a certain amount of time and then it, rota yeah. you know, it rotates yeah, I, and if, you're just going to have to wait for it to rotate back I want to find out how to sci-fi was the same way I wanted sci-fi channel for years and then we finally got sci-fi and it was nothing but shit N nothing but garbage yeah but I, I remember the first time I ever saw it was in a comic shop in the underground in Atlanta I mean this is going back like you know 25 years or better but that was the first time I ever saw it, and I was just blown away. It was like Doctor Who and uh, Red Dwarf and Hitchhiker's Guide. Yeah, sci-fi. <laughs> yeah, classic science fiction, and now it's, you know, Snake to Puss or whatever. You know, right, it's, like, it's cheap, cheap on the cheap shit that makes them a lot of money by people who want to just, like, sort of snort at it. Yep. Mm -hmm. I, I want to figure out, you see, we're old. <laughs> Right. <laughs> I, I work with all these young people, and they know how to do stuff, you know, me, the media stuff, so much more ahead of when I figure it out, you know. And they're all, 
they all don't even do the Hulu, Netflix, and stuff like that. There's alternate, ver you know, it's basically the ver the torrent style of streaming TV now. So they, like, have these programs that go on their computer and they just stream, like, it, it, it'll, you know, basically it'll sort of, like, they'll have, net you can go on Netflix because they've got cracked Netflix or whatever, but then people just sort of got sick of that, and there's people with their own servers who have, like, this, you know, just for example, I know one guy watches the Simpsons channel. So he turns it, it's just 24-7 Simpsons episodes running in succession all the time. And, you know, so if you have a favorite TV, so if you wanted to watch The Incredible Hulk, you just go to The Incredible Hulk channel and start it at episode one and... And they're all sort of laid out like Netflix, you know, so they have... But, you know, you have to go in and mess with your computer a little bit and find a... You know, it's all stuff that, that, that the kids, they don't even think twice about doing it. I get, you know, I, I get the cold sweats doing anything where I got a monkey around with the internalness of my computer, you know. <laughs> it's just like, okay, <laughs> I could kill the baby right now. If, <laughs> I have no idea what I'm doing. But I'll cross these wires. But yeah, you know, so eventually, eventually down the line, they'll figure out, you know, some sort of thing that we just have to push a button to install and then we can watch all that stuff. But that's, if I ever go back to TV watching, that's what I'll do now. Now, I, I mean, I wish I had time to watch all the stuff that everybody's been telling me is amazing. I can't remember the name of uh so there's some science fiction mini series that's falling through the cracks that's i guess like nasa approved 100% like a lot of the stuff that happens in the show is very scientifically accurate about what you know how it would work in space and i guess the storyline's really i wish i could remember it so i could recommend it but i can't really recommend it cuz i don't have time to watch it and um Westworld, I've heard people saying great things about Westworld, and uh, there's just a million shows that I'm supposed to watch, and like right now, I've got two movies that I've got to watch for the horror podcast, and those are gonna, <laughs> those are gonna be my media in the next few days between work is, that's what I'm gonna watch, you know, is some right. homework for the shows, episodes of the Clone Wars and stuff, I actually got my Clone Wars homework done this week. But the actual shows that I'm watching right now are piling up because I don't have time to... I did indulge and I got a copy of of Alien Covenant and I, and I was watching that for, for indulgence watching. But I get very little just like I'm watching something for pure enjoyment. Right. And, and even when I am, like... You know, every every week I'm doing an episode or two of uh, Clone Wars with uh, Hope Mullinex. So I watch the episode, and, and as soon as the episode starts, I've got to start writing my notes down and noting certain things and paying attention to this. And then when um, Rebels was still on, like I would be like, oh, a new episode of Rebels is out. I would pop it up on the, on the screen, and it would start... And I would find myself reflexively reaching for my notebook, you know, and and preparing my mind to go like, okay, you got to pay. And it's like, no, no, <laughs> you're not doing a rebel show now. You can just watch this and enjoy it. 
right and and for and forget about you know making sure you, you you make all the connections or something but at the same time i'm also knowing that down the line i probably will be doing episode by episode of rebels um when we run out of clone wars episodes <laughs> which won't be long we're like almost done with the third season now oh wow i, I think, we got, I think we got three more episodes for the third season and and I think we're getting right up to about to the point that you and I got with Star Wars Monthly Monday when we were doing Clone Wars. Did we even get that far? I don't remember. Yes, we did. I know we got as far as to where uh, Tarkin showed up. Oh, okay. And we just did. We just we're just finishing off the arc with Tarkin in it. Cool. Who she calls fucking Tarkin, and I just call Farkin. <laughs> and uh, as I'm watching it, I'm realizing. Oh, actually, this is the actual first CG Tarkin. <laughs> this is that is true, yeah. The That's original true. OG CG. I want to say that the that the voice guy is the same. I but think I, it I is. I think it is because he's excellent. What's really funny is we were watching the Mortis arc, which was the one. I don't know if you remember this one. It was the one where they go to the planet and there's like a father, son, and a daughter. And they're all elements of the Force. Oh, God, And they yes. tell Anakin his whole story, and then they touch his head and make him forget everything. It's, yeah. It's it's just fucking terrible. But in, in that, they have a, a like hallucination sequence where they're all having, or vision sequence, where Obi-Wan talks to Qui-Gon, and Anakin talks to his mother. Right. And I'm watching it and I'm like, hey, this guy's doing Qui-Gon is damn good, oh, man. It's actually like him. Liam, it is actually Liam Neeson. Then I'm watching Anakin's mother and I'm like, yeah, this person, they're not doing so good. <laughs> Doesn't sound like <laughs> Anakin's mother at all. Of course, it was the original actress came back to do that one, too. <laughs> and I'm, I'm like having the, I'm like, like scratch hopes like oh they brought the original actors back and i'm like oh really <laughs> well one of them's not very good at doing themselves that's for sure <laughs> yeah that that arc of clone wars is definitely i haven't seen i think i haven't seen after season four but i will confidently say that's probably the low point of of the clone wars Oof. <laughs> I, uh, and it turns out that storyline was all George Lucas. <laughs> oh wow! It was all his idea, and 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 uh, Hope goes back and, and and checks out a lot of the commentaries that Filoni made, and Filoni's talking about that episode, and you know he doesn't want to say anything bad about George Lucas. I don't even think he feels anything can feel anything bad about George Lucas, but you could tell he was just like George gave us a story, and then we had to make it work, and. Uh, this is what we did, and it's like, yeah, I feel sorry for you guys. <laughs> that uh, that it's funny. I hadn't thought about that episode in a long, long time, but th I remember that episode or series of episodes. I, I can't remember if it was a multi-part or not. It was a three-parter. Uh, yeah, that's what I was thinking. You know, you know, I didn't, I, I couldn't say I was a fan of it or anything, but I do remember. It giving me warm fuzzies in the sense of it strongly reminded me of some of that wacky 
uh, Marvel UK stuff that we had read. Like yes. there was that one. What was her name? Lotney or something like that. Lotney throws a shape or something yeah, like that. That's when Alan Remember? Moore was writing Star yeah. Wars stories. <laughs> yeah, and and that's kind of what it reminded me of, in a in a weird sort of way. So yeah, yeah, it didn't but, work know, in the same way. Yeah, uh, I mean those 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 stories. I didn't think they ultimately worked, but they were interesting. And yeah. they had a little, and they also had a little bit of, uh, for some reason, splinter of the mind's eye. Just maybe because they were a little off storyline and a little weird and stuff. But the you know thing what's of- funny? I can't. I could not tell you why, but I swear to God, just just yesterday, uh, I was talking to Logan about splinter of the mind's eye. I can't remember why in the hell that came up in conversation. But we were talking about that, and I was just kind of giving him the the lowdown on you know what was the story with uh, with oh I know what it was the uh, the subject of the of the Han Solo prequel movie came up or you know the the Han Solo you know young Han Solo movie or whatever the hell they're calling that thing and uh, and I got on my soapbox again about how you know I'm sick and tired of. You know, whoever whoever's in charge these days with with the Star Wars property, you know, they they really need to get the memo that Star Wars is not Han Solo's story. And then, you know, I went on about the whole thing about, you know, uh, how I'm always, you know, I'm always prone to to point out, you know, that up until Empire, you know, Han was not planned to stick around. He didn't stick around in anything that was out there. You know, from from the you know the Splinter novel to the comics to the uh, newspaper strips, any of that stuff. If he wasn't know, Harrison Ford, he might not have been back in Empire. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And but anyway, that that led to the whole tangent of talking about Splinter and and everything. And uh, you know, once again, just lamenting the fact that. You know, now, now, granted, who knows? One of these days, you know, with technology moving in the in the direction it is, maybe one day they could go back and and do a Splinter movie. But I would you know, I wow. would like to see a Splinter movie done in the in the same level of CG that the last that episode of was it was it the the end of season two of Rebels with Darth Vader. Oh yeah. If they yeah. if if they film that if they film Splinter of the Mind's Eye with that level of CGness and that that kind of atmosphere, I would be totally down with it. I would be down. And for really, that. and what would it be? It would be like really the same amount of money as say three or four episodes of Rebels. You know, it would be a great little side thing you know i don't know if there you know it depends on whether lucasfilm would be willing to do something like that and be like here's something we made it's it's side canon you know it's something you know i don't know if they would tinker tinker in that direction but man i would love that i mean i can't tell you how many little clickbait articles i see all the time there's a there's just a fascination with it and you can see and I, I, I call them, you know, they're, they're, they're young people, you know. There's young people who don't know about the stuff that existed before they were young, just like us when we were young. Yep. And so that so that you see all these clickbait articles written by somebody who's like 22 years old where they go, you're going to flip your lid when you find out what Star Wars could have been like if it hadn't made as much money 
Or, you know, people haven't heard this wacky story with Darth Vader and crystals and stuff like that. And and it's just always popping up and people are always rediscovering it. And it was made into comics. And the comics really didn't capture the feeling for it, though. They, they, They got the story down, but they didn't capture the 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 feel of the book the problem the comic for me is that it has a feeling of incompleteness you know because it was drawn by terry austin now we all know terry austin as a kick-ass inker right but i never thought of terry austin as artist you know what i mean and the art was workmanlike in it yeah, it, I mean, it, it has moments of greatness. It looks really nice, but it lacks a certain dynamism. It, it, it needs but, to all look like the cover of the book. Yeah, <laughs> it needs yeah. to capture that. It needs to capture the Ralph McQuarrie-ness of it. Yeah, you know, and I mean, it, it really could have been awesome, and instead, it's just kind of, as you say, it's kind of standard. It feels like other Star Wars store, you know, other Star Wars comics, and. I think that's why we all, you know, those of us that that remember Splinter fondly, I think that's why we remember it fondly because to my mind Splinter was always a notch above everything else. Splinter's uh, I haven't books. read a lot of Star Wars books, but I'm going to say probably Splinter's probably one of the best if not the best written Star Wars novel that, you know, you know, I went. I've re- I've reread that book a number of times, but that's one I purposely we- went back and reread not terribly long ago because I wanted to kind of test that. I was like, you know, do we all, you know, th- again, those of us that do have a fondness for that story, I, I got to thinking, is it flavored by like we were reading it like this is new Star Wars? Exactly. And- you know, it, it. Do we have the fondness we have for it because it was the first? You know, it, you know. Besides, say the comics and the and the newspaper, was this the first new, quote unquote, real Star Wars? Because it was a book. You know, it was a novel, and it felt like it was part of the universe. You know, is that why we've held it in that regard, or is it really, you know, what we've all said it is? You know, the the best or one of the best of the book. So I went back and I and I reapproached it again from that mindset and and i still walk away going this is star wars this Mm -hmm. this holds up to a movie and the reason i think it does is because unlike so many of the other uh eu novels to me it's because it was intended as a film you know this was the plan b of star wars 2 you know had star wars not been Star Wars, you know what I mean? If it if it had if done it just well been another movie, sequel, but you know a, a a sequel on the cheap, you know this this was, you know this was the the beneath the Planet of the Apes of Star yes. Wars essentially, and if you approach it that way, I think that's the best way to enjoy that book. Um, but I I still maintain it's a damn good book. What what really surprises me even more are the are the detractors, the people that don't. Because uh, I've never I don't want to throw him under the bus because I've never had the conversation with him like why don't you like it? But I know that Scott Rifen is not a fan of that book, and I would love to know why because 
It might just, just be continuity-wise, you know, it might be yeah. just because it doesn't line up with, it sort of doesn't line up with anything, you know, it's... Well, I don't think he grew up with it the way you and I did either. If I, and again, I'm not trying to put words in his mouth. If, uh, Scott, if you're listening and I'm misremembering, please, you know, correct me on this, but if memory serves, I think he read it later in life, you know, whether, I don't know, as a, as a late teen or an adult or whatever, but I think he read it much later after all the hype right. and it just didn't live up. Whereas you and I read it when it was, you know, fairly new. I read it. I, I, I remember going into, it wasn't book world. It was the other bookstore in the one that was over the, the globe mini mall. Um, right. Um, and I, it was when uh, my mom was working and uh, Mrs. Redfield would watch us. And Mrs. Redfield was going into the gym in Watertown to do her workout. So she had to go and get us books to, so we would have something to do while she did. I think she was playing tennis, actually. And uh, so we went to the bookstore. That was the first thing I saw. And she was just like, that looks like an, like an adult, not like an adult novel, but, you know, something adults would read. And I'm like, no, no, I can read novels. And I was just like, it's Star Wars, you know. So she bought it for me. And, uh, I mean, at that point, and this is probably why I have the, you know, the way when I read it and I pictured it in my head with the cover, all I had to work on was Star Wars and... um there had been the comics and some comics since then, but really, you know, I, th this was, you know, a book and it was, and I think it said, you know, from the adventures of Luke Skywalker on yep. it and everything. So it was like, this is a Star Wars book coming from, coming from Star Wars, you know? So in my mind, what I was piecing the visuals together with that were the movie and, um, uh, remember, um, it was, it's called the Star Wars Portfolio, and it uh -huh. was all the that I I got that from that same bookstore. I got their 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 copy that they had out that was all beat up at a discount, and it had all the the Ralph McQuarrie production paintings. Yep. It. So that was sort of where I was building up all my you know all my visual imagery from it was like raw Ralph McQuarrie, <laughs> and. Uh, you, you know, know what's funny? I've never seen that portfolio again in real life. So if you hadn't had it when we were kids, I, I never would have laid eyes on that. Isn't that goes, weird? If it's in good condition, it goes for a pretty penny. But, you know, mine is... Mine was trashed when I got it, and I, like... You know, I was always, like, thumbing through it when I was a kid. It's all, like... You could see my dirty thumbprints all over it, but... I can remember... You know, like whenever I would come over to your house and, you know, hang out or, or spend the night or whatever, I can remember us always pulling that out and taking like, a look yeah. at it and just sitting there. The the one I, I really remember is um, the uh, the shot, and it was this weird perspective shot where some troopers, they were like proto-troopers, and they were holding shields and laser swords are running up a hallway, I believe it was on the right-hand side of the picture, Yep. while, like, proto-Luke and proto-Chewie and the droids, I think, and the Millennium Falcon were off to, like, the right-hand side in a hangar. 
but the but the perspective was just a little off somehow in some like almost ill-defined way. You it know? was like from down from the ground. It was like worm's eye view almost. Right. And I think Luke had like a breath mask on. I think it even had a little proto Darth Vader, and it's like this. This describes a scene where there's a little scuffle, you know, between the you know one crew, and I imagine. That's why I have to get the rest of them. I only have like the first four or five issues of the Dark Horse, the the Star Wars, the adaptation of the original script that Lucas wrote, his first right. draft of Star Wars, which probably might have a lot of these scenes in it, you know. And I'll bet you they they adapted a lot of stuff from from Ralph McQuarrie paintings for that too. It's uh it's really boring. <laughs> That's why I stopped buying it, but I need to read it just out of academic <laughs> research. But uh yeah, it's definitely was a first draft that that needed a lot of trimming. But it's a it's funny though when you see it, you see a lot of echoes of episode 1 through 3. You <laughs> see a lot of stuff that turned up later in episode 1. Um it's it's pretty interesting. Yeah, that I, that portfolio is like one of my favorite things of all. That's like one of the things I'll go clutching to my grave with. It's just, and when I was a kid, they were so classy. You know, they were like nice, shiny, high definition prints of stuff. You know, and I was used to seeing pictures from either a little tiny Star Wars card or a black and white magazine. So I always just... like that. The other one I liked was the was the Vader that looked a lot like the Vader that showed up on Rebels. Yes. Versus the the Jedi that looks like a cross between like Kanan and a and a sand person. Well, in that yeah. Hulk. That was always a really great shot too. Yeah. The, I mean, Rebels they definitely like made a conscious effort to to really. Oh yeah, to really dig up that and 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 boy, it worked. You know, I mean, I'll see stuff in like those spider creatures in Rebels. I was like, why are they so familiar? And it's like, oh yeah, there was some concept art by Ralph McQuarrie of those things that I've seen in you know in one of one of my books. You know, one of my sketch Star Wars sketchbooks or Empire sketchbooks or one of those, and uh, it's almost subliminal. You know. And, right, and it's even there's even like elements of the way they light it and everything that that makes it that, that and um they they never mention his name, but there's also elements of uh, um, Peter Ellenshaw, the map painter, yeah. yeah, in it too, and definitely the 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 people who are obviously they're doing digital mats these days, but they they their map painting stuff definitely owes even though it's digital and 3d to some extent in some places although it's funny i was watching um they were talking about the season finale of uh what it was season three the last one and um they it has a big battle in it that's very reminiscent of rogue one and they were talking about how they had to you know the the logistics of of doing the animation and their budget and their time limits and stuff 
And there's a lot of stuff in it that are just flat, either flat map paintings or just flat pictures that are moving and stuff. Not everything is a 3D element, even in 3D CGI land. Like, CGI has gotten so advanced that it's gotten beyond where they build stuff and they're sort of doing old school methods but just digitally where it's like okay we'll just paint a flat background here and and throw it in there and and some false perspective and stuff like that and i find that really funny (laughs) they're they're replicating tricks that that you did that you would think that this oh they're digital they'll just build a 50 foot guy you know and it's like oh well no it actually costs money to build a 50 foot guy digitally too so right <laughs> well I wanted to uh to ask you well first of all I just to let you know uh I, I did dig out uh Marvel Super Special number three it just happened to be sitting on a pile of boxes behind me here man you know I know I took this out of the package when I, or you know, out of the the plastic when I got it, but I I don't think I really looked it over. This is such a beautiful copy. I mean, I'd I would, uh, I'd grade this a, a damn near uh, mint. I mean, it's a really solid copy. But you know who did the cover? Bob Larkin again. Bob really Larkin. This, yeah. Now Roy looks a little weird. His perspective's a little. He looks more like. Um, like uh, Jeff Bridges from Starman, then he looks like Roy Neary, but it's it's a weird kind of perspective shot. But I just uh, remember in the comic itself, they make him kind of fatter and schlubbier. He he looks like Fat William Shatner is what he yes, looks like. Yes, yes, you know? he he does. He really he's yeah. Um, but uh, it is uh, Walt Simonson because I, I that was gonna that was gonna frustrate me trying to remember it. But I, it's I knew not, it was either. It's, it's not standout Walt's. You don't see a lot of yeah. that Walt Simonson style in there. It's it's workmanlike. It, well, I, I think in this particular instance, I don't think that uh, Klaus Jansen is doing him any favors. Right. However, there is a double page splash of the mothership. Right toward the end, that is really beautiful. That that's really cool. You see, it's, I think I think they use Klaus Jansen a lot in the super specials to give it coherence. Right, he had such a heavy hand if he was really like a lot of times. So I think they like put him on there to like. So it, it, they did sort of have a coherent look to them. Because that's what I, I always I always associate Klaus Jansen with the super specials more than even the other artists but that he's inking over. You know what the art really reminds me? I, I'm really, I'm kind of pouring through it now. It really strongly reminds me of Marvel's adaptation of Raiders of the Lost Ark. It is yes. very similar. Yes. Very similar. But uh, yeah, I just thought that, that might be interesting. Um, but no, what I wanted to ask you though, do you remember? Uh, I know you remember Starlog magazine, oh, but yeah. do you remember a sister magazine that that was under the Starlog? Uh, you know, whatever publishing house published Starlog, they had a short-lived magazine called. Uh, originally, it was called Future, mm-hmm. and then later it was called Future Life. Yes. Do you remember that? Yes. Do you ever chance across copies of that when you're out? Uh, Yard sailing? I I have I I have several copies of Future somewhere stashed away in my magazine stash because I'm I can picture 
I, I, I can immediately picture one of them that I have that has sort of like a monorail thing coming up towards the front of the... It was very much sort of like in response, I think, to Omni Magazine. I think yeah. they're trying to be like yeah. a, like a Omni Magazine for maybe a little younger, you know, just slightly younger, more or maybe even just more of a pop crowd than Omni. And, right. Uh, and... Uh, and it's sort of like this uh, monorail on the moon one, and it's like on silver, nice silver futuristic paper. Yeah, I used to. I also used to get a magazine called Cinemagic from Starlog. Yeah, that was an yep. offshoot that was like about the young filmmakers, and everybody would send in what their what movie they were making on their Super 8 cameras at the time. That, yeah. Well, I, I'll be honest, I didn't remember this magazine, but uh, our buddy uh, Matt Hunsworth and I, we were at a, uh, a convention uh, here in Orlando. God, it's hard to believe it. it was about two years ago, but I think it was about two years ago. Uh, we went to, you know, it was one of those little small one day or maybe one weekend cons that they right. have in a, in a hotel. And this guy, you know, it was for comics and toys. But this guy had a box of just, you know, how sometimes you'll just see a box of weird shit, you know, weird magazines or whatever. And I'm going through there, and he had, I don't think he had a complete collection. Because if he had a complete collection, I probably would have bought it. But it was one of those things where he had like, you know, one, two, four, eight, you know, 16 type of thing, you know. And I thought, I could swear... I bought a couple of issues, but the only one I can only find one. But anyway, I bought at least one issue. He was charging a dollar a piece for them, but I didn't remember the magazine and I wasn't sure what was inside, and I and I didn't want to open it for whatever reason. So I just bought you know the the one or two or whatever I bought, and then I got home later and was looking through it and just fell in love. And I've kicked myself ever any since. Of the, any I of those old sci-fi magazines, if you see them for like a buck or so, they're always worth it just for the, you know, seeing the articles of like, this movie's coming out, maybe it'll be really good. And then you're like, oh my God, it was a huge bomber. Like, oh, they have no idea how good this is going to be, you know, and. Well, this this magazine is really cool because it, it just it speaks to that that futurist thing that you yes. and I were talking about before, and I, I just you know I, I really fell in love with kind of the concept of it that it's it, it's positive future based, so lots of articles about you know. Uh, Star Trek the motion picture and well, you're, uh, you're speaking my language now I mean like yeah. as I as I'm getting older that's basically what I'm trying to figure out how I can focus my life on that <laughs> right <laughs> on that futurism you know what I mean mm-hmm and uh, yeah I was, uh, I was talking to, I've talked to several of my friends about this now and I know you and I have talked a little bit about it but I've had this this podcast idea floating around in the back of my head for a couple of years now for a a podcast about base, basically the way I'm kind of thinking about this and and I don't want to I don't want to steal anything from anybody but I, I read this great graphic novel it was an original graphic novel um, I believe if I'm not mistaken I believe the author's name is Brian Freeze uh, F R F-R-I-E-S, like fries, except he pronounces it freeze. Um, and it's called Whatever Happened to the World of Tomorrow. 
And I loved that graphic novel. And it got me to thinking about that very question. Whatever happened to the world of tomorrow? And that's what the graphic novel is all about. It follows it's it follows this this father and son through time in a very carousel of progress fashion, meaning that they do age, but not quite real time, if you know what I mean. So mm -hmm. it's like they, they attend both the 39 and 64 World's Fairs, but the son is still young. He aged between them, but he didn't age the 25 years he should have actually aged, if you know what I mean. So it's very carousel, it's on a like sliding time scale type of thing, very carousel of progress style. And it talks a lot about the way that we used to look at the future, the way that we used to be very optimistic about the future. And we used to have grand visions, <clears throat> pardon me, of what the future was going to be, you know, mo you know in particular, it being a wonderful, positive place. And kind of what happened to that? And I would love to do a podcast that would kind of take a look at that, you know, and, and almost I'm, I'm kind of envisioning it almost like, uh, you know, our, our good buddy Paul Spataro has his show, uh, Is It Jaws? You know, where they talk about a movie and then at the end they decide, okay, is it Jaws? And, and I'm kind of looking at this like you, you take some facet of retro futurism, be it... Um, you know the one of the world's fairs or uh, Star Trek. You know the the TV show, you know, the original series TV show, or what have you. Ray Bradbury. You know, some, yeah, such, Ray Bradbury. some some positive vision of the future. Discuss, and then at the end, try to answer that question: What what happened to this? You know why why didn't this come to be, or or how does it live today? Or you know what I mean? And and that idea has been rattling around in the back of my head for a long time. And I, I, I would can love think to of dozens of movies and TV shows and that to cover in that too. You know, right. would. But part of the part of the thing too of, of probably why it hasn't happened beyond you know the obvious things of you know time and things like that is also that. And I'm not sure honestly if they're the same idea. Or if they're separate ideas, but I've also really been wanting to do something uh, very tied to Tomorrowland, um, both the movie and well, not I so think the, the central thesis of Tomorrowland is basically what you just described there. See, what, that's what I'm saying. What, that's why that's what's that's what Tomorrowland was trying to figure out and communicate was right. what happened. I don't think it a hundred percent explained what happened to it, but I don't think you can explain a hundred percent. But it 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 put a f fine point on on that on that idea, you know for sure. So I, I I think maybe the reason that I'm struggling to decide are these the same show and the same thing or not is because I wouldn't want it to be strictly Disney. Because there's places I'd want to go, like Star Trek, that, you know, obviously are not Disney, or at least not yet. You know, Disney doesn't own Star Trek yet. But, uh, but also, I don't want to venture too far from the Disney either. I always want it to tie back to Tomorrowland. 
the the concept more than the play you know the physical place right. or the movie but, you know but, what but i mean tomor- but the the you know the idea of tomorrowland i mean the basic i mean the basic name comes from disney but that idea of tomorrowland just sort of comes it comes from that time period where and and where you would have believed there could have been a place like tomorrowland you right. know or where you you know you had someone you you had not just Walt Disney but you had people like Walt Disney who were like actively like you know you had people who were captains of industry who weren't just like worried about like making as they they were don't get me wrong they were worried about making themselves as rich as possible but they were right. also sort of they were also sort of like where is humanity going and you know there were a lot of people who got to a certain point in their life where they're like i have all this money and i have all this time what can i do for society and you know how can i make the future better and stuff and it was that time period where you know we were we were starting to invent microcircuitry and rockets and you know the ideas the, the 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 idea of flying off the planet all of a sudden was like that could be happening pretty soon, you know, and right. and it became movies and stuff like that. And there was just, you know, a time period from and it's funny because before that time period, like when you go into like H.G. Wells and Jules Verne, they had all these fantastic science fiction stories of all this. They had the technology in their science fiction stories they were usually kind of dark <laughs> around the edge of, you know, War of the Worlds or, you know, right. um, the Master of the World who had this great flying ship, but, you know, it was basically about him trying to bring it, you know, it was a positive message, but it was like a war-torn story sort of thing. And, uh, you know, 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea, they they all had sort of, you know, they were like outsiders. And then as we started you know getting towards the post-world war ii it was just sort of like hey we might be able to fly off this place what you know what are we as a species that's gonna leave earth and you know and and it just seemed like the the possibilities seemed to be like okay you know people actually thought would would have that thought process of like oh as time goes on people get better and smarter and they like each other more and so there would be this and then you know all all the people get along then we'll go off earth and and all that and there was just that golden age into the late 60s and early 70s where you got a lot of that stuff and then the 70s that was about when that's when all like 70s that's why star wars was so big because Usually science fiction was like either heavy drama or it was dystopian with a with a twist of where Soylent Green is people, you know, or, or oh, we've killed all the vegetation and now we're messing with the one guy that's got all the trees up in, you know, up in the sky. It was all stuff like that. And then Star Wars came out where it was just like, this is fun, you know. Right. Uh, right. Star Wars wouldn't actually work in my t- wouldn't pass my Tomorrowland test since it's set in the past and it's not really about those issues, but it was 
it was happiness <laughs> in a science fiction movie and uh even if even in that golden period if the story wasn't say the happiest story like in a lot of Ray Bradbury's stories at least to the point of where the humans got into their bad situation those humans were advanced you know there was there was that progress i've i remember when you came up with that idea and i've loved the idea of it it seems like one of those shows that we would want to do the full npr like do up of it of each episode you know to to do it justice so it would mean it would mean a lot of work and like a lot of research but that's the kind of research I like, though. You know, if it's that, that's probably another reason it, it, it hasn't happened because I can see, you know, every episode is going to have to bring its A game. It's going to have to be, you know, if you remember the right. Titanic episode that I did, you know, a couple of years back, you know, every episode is going to have to be that caliber. Yeah. Well, that caliber was exhausting. You know. <laughs> yes. So that. You when, know, when you I, usually hear there's podcasts that do that sort of thing, they usually have a whole paid. St- everybody is getting paid <laughs> to do that. You know, they're on NPR and they've got people. They're like, "All right, have the interns do do the research and bring me back some information on this, and we'll give it to the writers and stuff." And uh, you know, podcasts. You know, like say that Titanic podcast you made. You were the researcher, writer, editor, producer. You know. Yep. soundtrack editor <laughs> you're everything to do that you know whereas if say someone at npr were doing it there would probably be about 15 to 20 people involved in that to make yeah. it reasonable <laughs> you know, i you know i get the question from time to time you know why, why don't you do more shows like that well there's a reason i don't mm-hmm. you know i mean it's it's a it's a ton of work and it's someday if know, our generation actually gets to retire like if we get into re- like retirement age where we don't have a job and stuff like that, then I could see like some golden like pumping out golden podcast after golden podcast, you know. Well, you know the thing is though is that I still desire to do shows of that caliber. You know, yeah. That caliber. I still itch to do those shows. You know, I still have a, a, a head full of shows that we we've never done you know that i i still want to do one day so you know i have more shows that we haven't done than shows that we've done that's yeah that's the thing about it and it's (laughs) unfortunately slash fortunately it'll probably always be like that no matter how many shows you do (laughs) oh yeah and i come up with new with new show ideas you know probably every week but you know that's fine. You know it keeps it keeps me wanting to do this. You know despite the 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 hiatus that we've been on for so long now. Um, you know I was tempted to talk a lot about that tonight, but we've already gone on for hours and hours. So uh, you know hopefully this this you know is is a sign that maybe that hiatus is finally coming to an end. I mean Lord knows I've been itching to get back in the saddle. You know for two true freaks and. You know, just talk to you on a regular basis again and everything. But I, I thought I entertained the idea of kind of getting into, you know, the the whys and wherefores, and then I just got to thinking, I don't know that that whole thing. For one thing, I'm not sure if I'm ready for it all to be out there. But also, even if I was, you know, it, it's getting late. It's a long story and it's emotionally draining. So I don't <laughs> yes. know if I really want to get into it right now. It's an but, excuse uh, for 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 
you know, episode 505 or whatever. <laughs> Maybe episode 600 or something like that. <laughs> yeah. We'll, we'll see. But, uh, but no, you know, I... This might I mean, be a good opportunity to just ask people, go to our Facebook page and tell us... What you you know that's the that's the thing it's 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 a lot easier for you and I get together and do this right now, than to say right. like, all right let's set, settle down and start pumping out say you know comics monthly Monday again, yeah because then both, then both of us have to commit to it and it's like yeah. we know how it is to to bite off more than you can chew and it's something you don't want to do so. Yeah, it's unfortunately, like, that that is not. If that's what you're hearing as you're listening to this, I'm, unfortunately, that is not what I'm saying. I wish to God I could say, "Hey, and we're back," but no. Nah, yeah, yeah. But know? you know, if you could, I, I mean, like a show where we could, you know, what 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 would you want to hear us do if it, since we can just sort of get together sporadically now and and do stuff? But we're 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 getting stuff done. What 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 would the listeners like to hear us? hear us do like i like the like the say for a better lack of a better name of it like the tomorrowland podcast would be something like and now and it's not really a secret <laughs> but it would be that would be something i'd be like let's work on that in secret because then if it takes three years to make one episode nobody's going to know the difference when it comes out it's just like they right. didn't know it was coming there it is and it sounds beautiful because we took the time to do it. It just took three years of spare time to do it. Um, but you know, it looks like every every month or so we're able to. You and I are are, are starting to to our schedules are starting to align. So you know, um, I'd like to do something. I mean, even if it's just we just continue to do shoot the shit episodes, so long as people oh, I could go on for three more hours. You know what I oh, mean? Oh yeah. I know. I mean, there's so many things we could talk about. So, I mean, as so long as, you know, people are entertained by them and want us to continue to do them, I, I'd be happy to do that. I would like to get back into something structured, but, you know, here's the other thing. And, I, you know, I, I'm not going to place the blame for the hiatus solely on this, but I, I, at least a small portion of the hiatus, I, I have to think, comes down to... Uh, losing the passion in a certain way if you know what i mean and that that is i mean we were doing we were basically we were doing four regular shows we were doing star wars monthly monday now there's nothing with the passion with that it's just the show ended yeah and it's funny because um, comics (laughs) yeah you know i i posted that link recently on our on our facebook page about uh the russ manning strips being printed in a book form which i'm super excited about if i can ever afford that book i really want to get it and a couple of different i, I forget hint, exactly hint, but i too. know um chris tyler said something about uh you know i would love it if if star wars monthly monday came back but here's the problem is that that show ended i mean it, it had a definitive end when we finished marvel star wars that show was done so it's not that i'm averse to bringing it back it's just what would we do with it? You know, I mean, there... I, you know, if we brought it back, it would be like, like, I, like how I would want to approach it. Like, say we were doing the Russ, you know, we would sit down and be like, okay, how do we divide this up into episodes? And then just be like, okay, we can do this in six, five or six episodes or whatever. It would be like a mini, you know, I, I would say, ah, we'll just number it like Star Wars Monthly Monday, but I wouldn't. I would be, I would 
curb expectations of it being anything but just like, hey, it would be regular episodes of Star Wars Monthly Monday, and there would be five of them, and then it was done. You know, okay, we did the Russell right. Manning, and you know, I mean, isn't there? There's a set of uh, the Williamson ones too, aren't there? Did we ever? We did. did yeah. We, now we yeah. always talked about it, but we never did do them. Yeah. yeah, and I, I would have, I would have no problem, you know, if we had the time to do it. Of like, okay, and we, and we got the books and everything, of going like, okay, you know, we'll, we'll do an addendum to it, and because the, th- the thing about Star Wars Monthly Monday is there's, you know, once, even once we get through that, the Manning and the Williams stuff, you know, it's not like any new anything newer is going to ever get uncovered from that era, you know? Right. So it would be just sort of mop it, you know, technically mopping up, although it wouldn't be mopping up as much as because they're not Marvel, but at the same time, it would just be sort of like, okay, mopping up that time period. And right. and I would be in, I would be into doing it, but I don't feel a like burning passion to do it. <laughs> right. And probably because, yeah, that, the, the, you know, doing doing four formatted shows. I, I I like the idea of going way back old school where we just had a lot of topics and we just would do it do a topic on something. You know, I kind of like that idea too. Because when we changed that format, it's because it was it was a natural evolution of the show. But podcasts, and you know, I think as podcasters you evolve too and i think there's an appeal of working of being like ah let's you know you get a format and stuff you know what you're going to do every month you're working through something i can't remember what what the the name for those kinds of shows are again index index shows but at the same time it limits you too you know so once you do it for a while and i think once we finished off star wars it was kind of like, oh, cool, we actually did that, you know? We right. actually went all the way through those, and it almost felt like, okay, we did that. <laughs> that That's really what it was, you know, and that's not to slag growing up Star Wars. I was enjoying growing up Star Wars, but the problem I was growing that up Star Wars. I, I, for me, and I, I can only speak for myself, but for me... It all comes down to the passion that I have for a project. And it's not that I didn't have passion for growing up Star Wars. It's that I pretty much said what I needed to say. And, you know, there, there wasn't really anything new. You know, when you're, when you're strictly looking backwards, after a time you kind of run out of, well, what more can I say on this thing that's kind of done because to me star um, that's kind of where i am personally with star wars you know what i mean Mm -hmm. i i really haven't been uh, you know with the exception of rebels i haven't really been digging new star wars so it just i don't know i didn't want to fall into a rut of just you know nodding along or or faking enthusiasm or 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 worse yeah becoming negative like yeah star wars again you know so to me yeah there's no reason to either because it's not like it's not like oh the business is going to go belly up and the kids are going to starve if we don't if we right. don't, if we don't soldier <laughs> on with this you know what i mean and star trek unfortunately i you know 
I, I don't know what it was with that. I just, you know, I still love me my we Star Trek. We whittled it down to mostly the worst of... episodes and the enemy within. <laughs> yeah, and, and I was just, I was kind of done with with Star Trek at least for a time until the, you know, maybe that enthusiasm will will relight I, some point. I wouldn't mind if at some point in the future we could tie down Uncle Randy doing the enemy within, but that's. <laughs> That's about what would bring me to doing a Star Trek Monthly Monday these days, you know. Comics Monthly Monday, um, I never, never soured on that. I always loved doing that show. Um, that it, one I really, really missed doing. It wasn't as indexy. It was That one was more like just you, me, and Mike getting oh, together just, and shooting the fun. shit. Yeah, just shooting the shit. Yeah. And then uh, we, were, we were pretty regularly doing commentary in the fourth slot, right? Yeah. And and yeah. well, commentaries. I'm up for commentaries at any point in time yeah. because those are quick and quick and dirty and easy and fun. At some yeah. point, I'm I'm planning. I have to get some energy drink and I'll be all on my own. And I'm planning on doing Mad Max Fury Road, and that will be the loudest, craziest commentary. I'm doing that solo too because there's going to be no room for anybody else in that well, one. Well, so so basically. You know what we could do is we could either figure out two new shows to replace you know the Star Wars and Star Trek slot, or maybe we just go bi-monthly, or bi- I guess it'd be bi-weekly rather, bi-weekly, and uh, and pick back up with uh, with uh, com- you know Comics Monthly Monday and uh, and commentary, or I, or maybe you know, a, you know a my- a general shoot the shit, a comics my, monthly Monday, and a and a commentary, and pretty my, much that that would be like shows. the optimum if we were gonna do like get into the weekly grind of it again. I could see, I could see a lot of fun just having two true freaks monthly Monday, and it can be you know when we can when we can line it up with uh, Mike Bailey. We'll do a comics monthly Monday. It'll be a comics monthly Monday, and we'll 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 do we'll we'll do our you know. Get me to read a goddamn superhero comic, and uh, the next month and the next monthly Monday could be a commentary. The next one could just be like this with us shooting the shit. The next one could be, you know, on, um, you know video games or whatever you know whatever strikes our fancy and makes us excited enough to get off our asses and and do a podcast i like that idea it's less work too <laughs> <laughs> like i say I, I have been itching to get back into it we'll, we'll just we'll have to see how uh we'll just have to see how shit shakes out you know what i mean but i do like the idea well, I hope that uh, the listeners have enjoyed this one. I, I think we've uh, we've talked for long enough, we've, and it is we've getting delivered late, some late, content. Late. That, yes, <laughs> <laughs> and and there's an odd there's an odd thing with Bluehost. I don't know if you've talked to Mike Voiles lately, but like Bluehost, like once a podcast gets to pass like four hours, it makes a file too big for Bluehost to upload. So yeah. like. We're just trying to stay inside that four-hour <laughs> limit and doing pretty good to it so far. I was thinking, well, we might be bumping up against it tonight, but uh, no, that's good. I'm, I'm uh, glad we, we're not we got, in the danger we got, zone. 
Nah, we got started a little bit later than than we intended as well. So now yeah. I think we're I think we're good. But yeah, no, we're fine. I'm sure it is getting to be a, a meaty listen, so we should probably uh, wrap it on up. Meaty but, uh, edit too. <laughs> yeah. But thanks for you know to everybody for listening. Thanks for just you know for for hanging being there. In there. So hanging in there despite there not really being uh, you know the regular weekly content anymore or whatever. We do really appreciate it. And. Uh, you know, it, it hit me again a new just how awesome a community that we have. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I mean, uh, I, I had some some you know folks that are part of our community just come running recently when I slapped some books up for sale, and uh, I, I just you know, long story short, uh, you know, it, it just it saved us from a bad situation. So I just you know, long story short, I'm just trying to say thank you very much, and and what an awesome community we uh, we have built here. Uh, with our friends and family on Two True Freaks. So I, yeah, I really two, appreciate two you guys. Two True Freaks I really is, a, is like a profound life achievement for me. <laughs> yep. Yeah, absolutely. We we have a great community of folks. And, you know, it, it, it reoccurs to me every time, you know, something like that happens or, you know, just getting together with, with people. You know, uh, Dave Pascarella was here recently. Uh, in Dave Orlando. Pascarella may be coming to Rochester next month. Yeah, he was, he was telling me about that. Yeah, he was all excited about it. Oh, it'll be great. But you know, he he was here and uh, and we didn't get near as much time to spend together as I would have liked. But we got to hang out for a few hours uh, on their last night here. And at one point, you know, he he pointed that out. He's like, you know, how awesome is this? You know, the, we're we're all. You know, originally we were all just complete strangers to each other, you know, yep. from all over the country, from all walks of life. And now he's been on your turf and you've been on his turf, too. Yeah. You mm. know, I mean, just how awesome is that? I mean, and, and, it, and it occurred to me, you know, not long ago when Andy was here. I mean, Andy's from England, for God's sakes, you know, somebody that, you know, pre-Internet age, we, we, we'd never have known him, you know. So how how awesome is that? You know that that we live in that kind of a world where you know you you can meet and and make such great friends that that become family, because you know having having him back over here with with his uh, with his wife and his little girl just you know it, they were family. You know and at one point she called me Uncle Scott. Just it just warmed my heart. You know it just that how cool was that? Uh, and I just, you know, it, it does. It, it, it keeps hitting me, you know, anew from time to time. Just, you know, the awesome thing that we've built through Two True Freaks. So last summer when I went to CELO, I, I remember, um, and it reminded me actually of the first of when I come to visit uh, first you in Georgia and then in Florida, where you know, um, the the visitor takes over the kids' room. And right. So Mike Cross and I were down there. We and so Mike Cross. I had the air mattress, and he had uh, um, Keldon, Dario's kids, or bed, you know, so we took over the kids' room. So in the morning, you know, you're getting up, getting ready to go get breakfast or whatever, and, and the kid's eating his cereal, and then, like, uh, next thing I know, I'm sitting on the couch, and his kid's in my lap with his with his tablet showing me all the games that he plays, you know, and stuff, <laughs> and, and Dario's wife's over in the corner like, Oh, look at this. Everybody getting a lot, you know, getting a lot. And it's just like, yeah, that was that 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 all happened because of a a, a podcast about goofy movies and TV show that, yeah. that we do. You know, that's bunch amazing. Of, yeah, bunch of, it's amazing. Yeah, bunch of fart noises and stuff. Yeah. And, uh, f- the, fart the, noises and people actually pooping in, in the pizzeria 
reading the phone book and reading the phone book and you know and you're meeting people that you're like i'm going to be friends with these people for life <laughs> yeah yeah it is it's it's incredible well, all right, that's our maudlin moment for the episode, but uh, yeah, I, I really do feel that way. I'll, you know, have, I, I'll have something sufficiently sappy playing underneath us. Thank you for being a friend. Travel down the road and back again. Your heart is true. You're a pal and a confidant. If you shop at Amazon.com, please consider using the link at 2TrueFreaks.com to shop there. If you use this link to go to Amazon and then you shop, 2TrueFreaks gets a little cut of what you buy and it doesn't cost you anything extra. So you get to shop as usual and help out the 2TrueFreaks at the same time. Visit our website at 2TrueFreaks.com. 2TrueFreaks is always spelled T-W-O. T-R-U-E-F-R-E-A-K-S You can email 2TrueFreaks directly at 2TrueFreaks at gmail.com 2TrueFreaks and all of its excellent affiliates are available on iTunes and you can choose to subscribe to either the entire network if you wish or pick whichever individual shows you want to follow. We have so many shows to choose from there's just bound to be one that appeals to your particular fandom. Just search Two True Freaks with an exclamation mark at the end, space, and the number two. You can find Two True Freaks on Facebook. Just search for Two True Freaks. If you ever leave your house and you actually have friends, why don't you tell them about Two True Freaks? If you've enjoyed our show, please, won't you take a moment to rate us on iTunes? That helps others find the show, too. Thanks for listening, and join us every Monday for new episodes of Two True Freaks. We were finally invited aboard one of these spacecraft, which landed near Ann Arbor, Michigan, on October the 24th of 1954. This is a drawing of the craft. As I was leaving the craft, the commander, Soltek, said, Soon others of your people will be able to have an experience similar to this.